And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody, presented by D3Hoops.com. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, from the WBCA NABC Studios. What a weekend of basketball. Listen, we said it from the beginning of the season. We reiterated it in the middle of the season. We talked about it again at the end of the season. And we certainly talked about it looking into the NCAA tournament preview. This is such a wide open, especially on the men's side, parody-filled year that we were going to see craziness in the NCAA tournament. And man, did we. What's crazier is the teams I really thought would do well are the ones who struggled. The ones that I thought might struggle are the ones who got through a little bit easier. But we had losses across the board. We had uh, upsets everywhere, even in women's basketball. You do not want to be from Wisconsin in women's basketball. Seven teams made the NCAA tournament. Four of them got past the first round. None of them are in the tournament anymore. Unbelievable. Seven women's basketball teams from the state of Wisconsin alone. Four of them, just over half, won their opening games. Granted, one knocked out another. <laughs> As Oshkosh knocked off Superior. But four of them advanced to the second round, and nobody advanced to the Sweet 16 out of Wisconsin. Out of the nine total teams in men's and women's basketball from Wisconsin, just one team's moving on, and it's St. Norbert. Unbelievable. If you're from talk about a change, huh? I mean, the men last year, the Wisconsin was the champs. Unbelievable weekend of Division Three basketball. We hope you enjoyed it because it was absolutely worth it. Every minute of it. Hard to keep up with, especially when, you know, someone like myself who's out on the road at games trying to keep up with games. It was unbelievable. If you have any uh, questions for us about all of this, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville, or tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville, and or I should say, hashtag hoopsville. We will talk about it all. We'll also talk about the selections of hosts, for the most part, well, I'll say this much. I haven't always been perfect on hosting. Sometimes I get a little greedy. I think, oh, maybe they'll do this. I got them all right. Now, my first initial tweets forgot one simple fact. I had initially said Tufts women would be hosting. thought they had better criteria, basically, than Scranton, despite Scranton being undefeated. Granted, that's certainly a good conversation. And Amherst and Rochester is another very good conversation. Two number one regionally ranked teams. You could have had a very long conversation about both. But what was made it moot on the Tufts-Scranton conversation was that Christopher Newport on the women's side cannot get to Tufts without a flight. So Scranton it is. That was pretty easy. Congratulations to Scranton. Now, I just read something quickly on the boards. We literally got off the road a couple hours ago, ran into the studio, have had to get some work done to get ready for tonight's show. Um, less than three hours of prep here in the, in the studio, which for me is not a lot of time. Um, I read quickly on the board the talk about at Scranton the fact that it's a big St. Patrick's Day weekend. They celebrate this weekend as opposed to next weekend. I should say, let me rephrase that, the coming weekend. They're going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day versus the following weekend, which means apparently it's a big deal in Scranton. I know that, but apparently that means a lot of hotel rooms may be booked up. So if you are in the women's tournament, head into Scranton. In other words, if you're a fan of Christopher Newport, Albright, or Tufts, the word in the D3 boards is book now. 
Book your hotel now. And by the way, remember, folks, you can book your hotel room and cancel it at the last second and not take a penalty. So there's no point in not booking a hotel room. Heck, I might go book a couple of hotel rooms at a couple sites just to have them in the bag and cancel them later, depending on what my plans are. But that's what it is. So let's talk about the women first, because the men were exciting. And by the way, we should mention our guests, shouldn't we? Uh, coming up, we will talk to Oswego's uh, Brian Sertino, the junior guard who hit the game winner against Gwen and Mercy. And we'll talk to Jason Leon from Oswego. I talked to both of them when I was at Marietta. So the, the interviews were pre-taped yesterday. We'll, you'll hear them tonight. Also here from St. Thomas's John Tower. Um, uh, Pat caught up with him after their win on Saturday to advance to the round of 16. You'll hear that coming up here on the show exclusively. Also coming up, Scranton women's basketball coach Trevor Woodruff joins us. Talk about the undefeated season, the chance to host, expectations being number three. We'll even ask him the WBCA coaches corner questions. By the way, he doesn't know we're doing that. We just decided to add it in and make it part of our WBCA coaches corner. Also, Stevens women's basketball coach uh, Megan Hardy joining us. She will talk about getting out of the weekend, including a big win uh, in the uh, round of 16 against, or round of 32 against Geneseo. Uh, that was a heck of a battle. I was keeping track of that while at Marietta. Uh, they will take on Amherst. So we'll talk about that. Of course, those games at Amherst. And Tufts men's basketball coach Bob Sheldon will join us. Tufts men getting a chance to host because Amherst men cannot. So Tufts will take to the floor on their home court. Cousins Gymnasium with a chance to get to the Final Four. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville, plus your questions. Again, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville or, hoop, or tweet us at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville. That's how we'll know uh, you're, you want to chat with us. Plain and simple, right? Oh, forgot to... Publish our picture to Instagram. We are on Instagram at D3Hoopsville. This is going to be a little bit dated, but eh, it works all the same, right? Um, we'll just quickly do that while we're talking. Uh, we'll start with the women's side of things. And again, crazy, crazy weekend uh, of basketball, even on the women's side of things. Uh, Thomas Moore certainly had an easy time. It beat LaRoche 102-67, then beat Guilford 92-40. No surprises there. On the other side, though, the uh, southern bracket certainly was exciting. Maryville defeated Mary Washington 67-56. Birmingham Southern defeated Lynchburg 56-50. They had a battle, which Maryville came out of at home 63-56. Thomas Moore will now take on Maryville. The game's at Thomas Moore, no surprise. Carnegie Mellon, I mentioned I thought Hope could be a dis disappointment coming out of here. <clears throat> Carnegie Mellon is the one who pulled off the upsets. They defeated Hope in the first round game by one and then defeated Carnegie uh, Ohio Northern, I should say, by three. In the meantime, WashU walked through Greenville and had an easy time of Wisconsin Whitewater. So it'll be Carnegie Mellon versus WashU, a UAA matchup. I believe they split on the season. I could be wrong. That's off the top of my head because my brain is just a mush. Uh, but I'm calling that up right now so we can double-check that. Um, Wash U and Carnegie Mellon rematch of the UAA. They obviously played twice this season. Uh, Wash U beat Carnegie Mellon on January 17th, 63-50, and they beat them on the 14th, 57-54. Uh, the first game at Carnegie Mellon, the second game at Wash U. This time they'll play at Thomas More. So a little bit of a different environment for that game. Lower left-hand corner. Games are going to Amherst. Could have had a conversation between Amherst and Rochester here. It's going to Amherst nonetheless. 
By the way, another little secret about the bracket, you can kind of tell who sometimes will get the, the, uh, the uh, hosting nod, as it were, but not all the time. But Amherst will go here, if you look at the bracket carefully. They'll take on Stevens. Again, Stevens will be on the show a little bit later. Amherst had an easy time, surprisingly easy time, of Eastern Connecticut by 18. I thought Eastern Connecticut was a little bit better, maybe may, may give them a little bit better test. Rowan blitzed New Paltz, and then Amherst blitzed Rowan, 78-57. Stevens, in the meantime, beat Old Westbury rather easily. Geneseo got past Florham, and then Stevens and Geneseo had a classic battle. It'll be Amherst versus Stevens at Amherst. In the lower right, I thought NYU would get out of this. They did not look good against Bowden, getting down early and couldn't get back into it. Bowden beats NYU 62-48. Of course, those games were at Bowden. And then Rochester held court at uh, the Palestra rather well. Defeated Johnson and Wells by 30. Probably no surprise there. Stockton beat Clarkson by one and then lost to Rochester by eight. So Amherst versus Stevenson at Amherst and Bowden versus Rochester at Amherst. And certainly you'd have to think that Amherst will come out of that with the advantage since they're being played at home. But Rochester is good. So is Stevens and so is Bowden. Amherst who who was unbeatable at Lafrac for the last few years until this year when Tufts beat him. Amherst is going to have to hold court to get on to Capitol in the Final Four. Upper right-hand corner, Scranton had an easy time with WPI 67-42 and then had an easy time with Marymount 60-44. In the meantime, Christopher Newport did what many of us thought they could do but weren't sure if they could pull off. They defeated St. Joseph 65-47, then beat Muhlenberg 65-42. That is a solid win for Christopher Newport. Muhlenberg, a very good team who had uh, a very good win over St. John Fisher. So Scranton will take on Christopher Newport. In the meantime, Albright got past Husson easily. Montclair State had a battle with SUNY IT, and then Albright and Montclair State played a heck of a game. That went to overtime and Albright won 69-66. Those teams do those two teams took it right down to the wire. Uh, thrilling game to watch online. In the meantime, Tufts got by Regis. Moravian beat New England at their own court. And then Tufts had an easy time, Moravian beating him by 20. So Tufts versus Albright at Scranton and Scranton versus Christopher Newport at Scranton. You've got to favor Scranton only because it's home court and they're almost. They're almost unbeatable there, but Tufts on the other side, and Albright is proving as well to be two very difficult teams. Scranton, if they can get past Christopher Newport, is not going to get an easy game in the next one. Granted, Thursday I'll make my predictions, and I love Scranton and the way they're playing right now, but that other side scares me. I don't know if you're the Lady Royals if you're comfortable. Then the lower right, you've got George Fox and Texas Tyler. Talk about an awesome game. They'll be played at St. Thomas, and then Warburg's the one who ruined Wisconsin's day. They defeated Wisconsin Lutheran on Friday and then defeated Oshkosh, who I had to the Final Four, Wartburg beats them 66-56. They will take on St. Thomas, who had a surprisingly easy time of River Falls, 67-46. But St. Thomas had to get out of the first round in an overtime game against Loris. So while the women was a little bit more chalk, it certainly was full of upsets. Chris Claremont Mud Scripps, by the way, beating Trinity Texas to set up their game against Texas Tyler but Texas Tyler too much. George Fox, we should point out, also ruined Wisconsin's day. Wartburg and George Fox did the, the did the dirty work on four of the seven teams. George Fox beat St. Norbert, then Stevens Point. 
to advance. And their game against Stevens Point was tough. I do not think George Fox comes out of this. Uh, Texas Tyler easily could beat George Fox. And I don't think George Fox, if they survive, can win the next night. Um, but we'll have more predictions on Thursday's show. Quickly on the men's side where it was even crazier, upper left-hand corner. Benedictine had an easy time with Harden-Simmons, no surprise there. Ohio Wesleyan thumped Pitt-Greensburg 114-68, while Lynchburg thumped Scranton 82-55, and then the two of them had a dandy of a game, which Ohio Wesleyan ended up winning 97-94. Ohio Wesleyan put up a lot of three-pointers in that game. They will take on Benedictine at Benedictine. I am not so sure that they can shoot like that and get a win. In the meantime, St. Norbert will take on Alma. St. Norbert beat Northwestern somewhat handily, 77-58. St. Olaf's the one who pulled off the big upset over North Central, 80-75, and then nearly beat St. Norbert. (laughs) We nearly had two Cinderella's from Minnesota come through St. Norbert in two years in a row. But St. Norbert holds on this time, uh, avoiding the last second shot by St. Olaf and getting the rebound. St. Norbert wins 63-61. On the other side of it, Alma beat Denison 74-60. Score doesn't show how actually close it was for some of it. Basically, Alma got out early, got out by about 10, 12 points, and then Denison stayed with him the rest of the way, cutting to the, into the lead a few times, but unable to get over the hump. Alma shot the lights out of the building in the first half. They won 74-60. John Carroll, in the meantime, against St. Vincent, 99-85. That game got away late when finally John Carroll was too much for St. Vincent. But St. Vincent played a terrific game, especially about the first three quarters of that before running out of gas. And then Alma took it to to John Carroll. John Carroll losing on their home floor. A really well-played game by Alma. They advance. We have a rematch of a game back on December 30th. St. Norbert versus Alma. It's the last time St. Norbert lost. They have won 16 straight since that point, and Alma beat them easily in that game at St. Norbert. The difference is this time will be at Benedictine. We'll see how that plays out. Quickly, the rest of the way, Amherst will take on Babson. Amherst barely got by Husson. Husson had a chance to win that one and then barely got past Cortland. Cortland had a, a chance to win that. Amherst is the Cardiac Kids. They, are, they won 69-68 over Cortland. In the meantime, Babson defeated Hartwick 80-69, but uh, All-American Flannery got hurt in the game, hurt his ankle twice, was in a walking boot, and did not play against host Susquehanna, and Babson beat him by three. If Flannery is healthy against Amherst, I think Amherst is in trouble. If Flannery is not healthy against Amherst, Babson's got no chance. It's just the way Babson is built. Amherst and Babson, that game at Tufts, as we mentioned. Johnson and Wales, the Cinderella right now. I thought they could get out of the weekend, and they certainly have. Now they'll take on Tufts. Johnson and Wales, I kid you not, has a legitimate chance to get to Salem. If they can get past Tufts, they'll play Babson or Amherst. If it's Babson with Flannery at full health, I think Johnson Wales has a really tough challenge. If it is Amherst, I think Johnson and Wales can beat them. So watch out. Johnson and Wales could get to Salem as a Cinderella. 
Then in the upper right, Augustana held court, beating Westminster 105 to 52, cleared their bench well into the set or, or early in the second half, and still extended the lead. Hope defeated Mount St. Joseph 98-87, and then Augustana beat Hope 96-80. On the other side of that bracket, Emory beat Covenant rather easily. Birmingham Southern barely got past LaGrange, and then Emory needed overtime to get past Birmingham Southern. So Emory will for, is the only team, I think, on the men's side to make the Sweet 16 the last three consecutive years. They will take on yet another tough foe and yet again in the Central as they will travel to Rock Island to take on Augustana. In the meantime, St. Thomas will take on Whitman. St. Thomas got by Central uh, by 12, then got passed by Elmers by 13. Whitman pulled off the upset late Saturday night against Whitworth. Whitworth down three, hits an amazing three-pointer with uh, 12, 13 seconds on the shot clock. Kenny Love with a step-back three-in-your-face shot. It was incredible. But Whitman came down the court, got into the, the hands of the guy they wanted, put up a floater. I kid you not, the very definition of a floater from five feet, uh, hit the shot with two-point-some-odd seconds left. They defeat the number three team in the country, Whitworth, St. Thomas versus Whitman, Augustana versus Emory at Augustana. And in the lower right, where a lot of the conversation is taking place this week uh, or today, Christopher Newport defeated Lycoming and NYU defeated Brooklyn. By the way, NYU spanked Brooklyn, 86-67. Christopher Newport survives beating NYU 67-64. At Stockton, it was upset special every Every step of the way. First, you had Middlebury upsetting Salisbury when a tip-in did not count. And really, it was a catch-and-shoot, and not a tip-in. It needed to be a tip-in to count. Stockton, in the meantime, loses because Keene State, the missed free throw. Keene State gets the ball, and Stockton, in a tie ball game, purposely fouls the guy with eight-tenths of a second or something on the clock, and Keene hits both to win, or hits one, really, to win. 72-71. Then Keene State pulls off the upset on Middlebury. 74-72. So Christopher Newport will play Keene State. That's why Christopher Newport's not hosting. We'll get back to that in a second. Oswego on the other side took on and beat Delaware Valley. Gwyneth Mercy with the big upset against Marietta. Uh, Marietta had the ball late. Looks like they don't practice late opportunities and late shot clock shot opportunities. Took a shot with 12 seconds. Missed it. They were leading by one. Gwyneth Mercy got it. Quickly up the court, got an open layup to take the one-point lead. After the timeout, uh, Marietta threw the ball away, essentially. Gwen and Mercy moved on, and then Gwen and Mercy and Oswego played a whale of a game in the second round, which ended in the last minute 10, basically one whistle for free throws. That gave Gwen and Mercy its first lead, maybe of the game at least since early on, and Oswego responded on the other end with a jumper, and then Gwen and Mercy's buzzer-beater attempt rimmed out. And Oswego moves on. They'll play Worcester. Worcester defeated Lancaster Bible in a terrific game, 96-83, and then had to come from behind, double digits behind, against Endicott, who had upset Catholic, to win 91-83 in overtime. Now, this is going to Oswego, despite the fact that Christopher Newport is clearly the better regionally ranked team, though Oswego State was number two regionally ranked, remember. But because everybody, Oswego, Worcester, and Keene State, would have to fly to Christopher Newport, this goes to Oswego, where Christopher Newport is the only flight, and Keene State and Worcester can get to Oswego by bus. It's about geographics in Division Three. That's just the way it is. It stinks, and I get that, but that's the way life is and the way it is in Division Three. 
also remember that because the women have priority in the second weekend, Amherst can't host either. So Tufts is hosting instead of Amherst. That's also because we're in Division Three. That's just the way it works. Could it be improved? Certainly. Double hosts? Not going to happen. Could we get more money and, and find a way to fly everybody wherever we want? One, one idea of an administrator was to fly everybody to Christopher Newport. The administrator should have known better. And that's not going to happen. But furthermore, yes, it would be nice to have more money to do that. But that's not the world we live in. It's not the world Division Three lives in. Should we improve it? Certainly. They raise dues. That will not improve it. Raising dues is not going to help us get more flights. We need more money from the Division One folks who make all the money in the NCAA. Until that happens, situations like Oswego hosting will take place. Oswego in their first Sweet 16 and their first chance to host the Sweet 16 at the same time. A lot more to talk about, I am sure. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We mentioned the guests coming up. Let's recap them really quick. Uh, immediately up after this break, we'll talk to both Oswego's Brian Sortino, who hit the game winner against Gwen and Mercy and had a big game on Friday night as well. Also talk to Jason Leon, the head coach of Oswego. By the way, the team headed back from the game to Oswego. Eight-hour bus ride started about 10 o'clock or 9.30. Insane. Um, we'll talk to them. Then we'll talk, uh, Pat Coleman will talk to uh, St. Thomas's John Tower for us. And then we'll talk live in studio to Scranton women's basketball coach Trevor Woodruff, Megan Hardy of Stevens, and Tufts men's basketball Bob Sheldon. That's all coming up on Hoopsville. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville after this. We start off with Oswego after the break. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom.
Welcome back to Hoops Hole. Obviously not in studio. We're now here in Marietta where I got a chance to come here and see the second round game between Oswego and uh, Gwen and Mercy to an empty gym pretty much. Uh, we'll talk to, uh, in a moment here. I'm joined by uh, Oswego State's uh, Brian Sorrentino. Finished with 17 points. Uh, second on the team in scoring four guys in double figures. First and foremost, congratulations, obviously. Thank you. Yeah, what was thank it like you. to play in pretty much an empty gym? Uh, uh, I mean, we were kind of hoping that we would uh, play yeah. in like a fat gym today, but I sure. mean, we got the win, so I mean, I don't think it really matters to any of the guys. Obviously, Gwen and Mercy pulling off the upset allowed this game to be an empty gym, so you guys didn't have to worry about it. Obviously, you played in a somewhat empty gym on yeah. Friday night as well. Yeah. What does it mean to this program to advance on to the second weekend of the tournament? Oh, it's awesome. I, uh, I think this is the first time in Oswego history that uh, we got past this round. So, I mean, yeah. it's a huge accomplishment to us. Uh, I think uh, we started one and four in the conference. I don't think anyone really thought we'd be here by now, but we have a bunch of seniors and juniors, so I think it's pretty awesome. I was going to say, a rough start to the season. Uh, yeah. A lot of high expectations with this yep. team coming in with the number of seniors and seniors who have yeah. certainly excelled over the last couple of years. Came in, you guys kind of stubbed your toe just a little bit to start the year. What point in the season did things start to click? Um, I think after uh, Plattsburgh kind of handled us at home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Plattsburgh, they're a really good team, but we got we got them two out of three this year. Um, but I think after the home game, really, we had to really come together at practice and say we got to step up, and I think our seniors really led us through the whole year. Is that, is, is that one of those things where the coach and the coaching staff kind of kind of tries to get you guys in the straight and narrow? Is that a team thing? Is that where you guys as a unit go? Whatever the coach says, one thing, guys, this is about us. Um, I think coach, he kind of led us there, but he, uh, since we're all seniors and juniors mostly, he kind of let us do our own thing. He kind of let us figure it out. Uh, I mean, we have a great core of like seniors, uh, Alex, Kyle, they're really good leaders. Uh, Matt Crock is a captain with uh, me as a junior. I kind of try to lead on the court, so I think it's mostly like us trying to do it ourselves. Speaking of leading on the court, you pretty much handled the ball most of tonight. You handled the ball most of the time anyway. You are kind of the, the point, a tall point, a little bit more yep. athletic point than a lot of people are used to, especially against this Gwyneth Mercy team who has a little bit of a smaller look. What's the advantages, disadvantages of that from your point of view? Um, well, Gwyneth Mercy, they're, they're, uh, they're hard. Um, they're a tough team. Uh, they have a lot of quick uh, like little guys, so they kind of like got into me, yeah. which I uh, really haven't seen that much this year. So kind of in the first half, I was kind of – it kind of took me by surprise, but sure. I think uh, the second half, the guys got me open, and I think that's how I got most of my points in the second they kept, half. They kept trying to switch. Interesting, you took on a 2-3 zone in the first half. We mainly looked at a man-to-man -man in the second half, and they were trying to switch up the matchup with you guys yeah. a little bit. How many times did it under the court did you notice that they were switching the defense? Uh, the end of the first half, they yeah. like uh, I think we would just pass the ball a couple of times, and they'd go from zone to man, and it kind of <laughs> just, uh, kind of just like messed with us a little bit, but I think we got it down towards the end of it. And how much was it disconcerting to see them actually switching the defender as you're walking down the court? A couple times I saw them do that too. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think it really bothered us much. We just had to keep running our plays and try to get open and just try to score. Crazy sequence. They obviously came back numerous times in the second half, kind of made many runs, and you guys would hit a shot here, hit a shot there, kind of stem it. But at the end, they kind of made that run. That last minute, that sequence was was incredible. They hit a couple free throws to take the lead. Yep. Nobody calls timeout, and we're up and down. Is that something you guys were ready for, or is it just one of those you just kind of have to go with the flow? Um, I think Coach really trusted me with the ball in my hands, so I don't think he really needed to call a timeout. I think uh, the guys really trusted me with the ball in my hands, too, so they knew I would try to make a play for them or for myself. So. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, what was the mentality? You have the ball in your hands. You come across the timeline. I want to say there's about 12 seconds on the clock. You kind of set things up and finally started making your move at about six seconds left. What were you looking for, and what what were you trying to set up? Uh, well, first off, I'm looking to score. I mean, <laughs> sure. There's 10 seconds left. I'm definitely looking to score, but I knew that uh, I knew with Keith and Kyle and Alex around me, I knew that I have great three-point shooters, so 
I knew if the second guy came to double, I would kick it to them, and I know I have trusted them to make a shot, but no one really came to double, so I kind of just took my shot and went in. I was going to say, so you were you were taking yourself as option one, and you were looking at others for option two. Yes. Um, you hit the shot. Nobody called timeout. And we're right back down the court the other direction. Did that catch you guys off guard? It looked like you guys were a little bit stepped back on defense trying to get back in time. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're a quick team. We knew yeah, that. They are. <laughs> uh, I mean, last night's game, that's how they won their game. So, yeah. um, I mean, we've lost a bunch of games in the past years on buzzer beaters. So, I think it's just good to feel on this side of the end, finally, where he missed a wide-open shot. Yeah, a great look <laughs> yeah, at it, it right at the look. buzzer. Your thought when it le left his hand? I was just praying that he didn't go in. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you guys kind of had a subdued reaction. Almost, It's like you almost didn't realize the game was over. Yeah, I think it, like, Took us a minute to realize that we actually won and yeah. we're going to the Sweet 16. So, uh, obviously, this team has a lot of upperclassmen, and, and you guys have kind of been building towards this. Do you feel like you've peaked yet? Do you guys still feel like you're improving? That you could make this run, maybe even to Salem? Um, I think we get better every day. Uh, it's going to start on Monday, though, at practice. We just got to keep working and keep being better, and hopefully, we can make it to the Final Four. That would be awesome for our program. As you and I talk, the decision has been made. By the time this airs, we'll know who's hosting chance that it could be coming to Oswego. What would that mean to this program oh, to be playing this at home? That would be awesome. I think we would have a really nice crowd there for all of us. Um, I mean, like I said, we think the last time we hosted was a couple years ago. They lost on the buzzer beater yeah. in the second round, so it would be really nice if we can get a home game. Oswego, known for its hockey programs, obviously. Yeah. They, they, got, they have pretty good teams up there. How much, would be in, how, how much would this mean to you guys as a program to be able to bring the notoriety over to the gym? Um, I mean, it would be awesome. I, I know hockey just lost last weekend, yeah. so I mean, it's tough for them. They're a great program. I mean, they've done really well in the past, but I think the basketball program as we go is really rising and getting better and better every year. If you have to go back on the road for whatever reason, I figure you guys are kind of used to it at this point, yeah, right? Yeah. How much does this have prepare you for, for road trips? I mean, you got a brutal trip to Plattsburgh. you got to take some trips down to New Paltz. There's nothing short on the extreme side of things. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, we have a couple more than four-hour rides, so... And I know Platt, Platt, we love going to Plattsburgh. We love playing them at their gym. So I think we're going to We'll be okay. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. What about it during the year uh, for you personally? Have you been able to improve upon that you're now kind of tapping into? Is it, is it that you're shooting better? Is it you're handling better? Is it defense better? From your personal point of view, what are you doing better now than you were maybe at the beginning of the season? Um, I think my defense mostly. Um, I think everyone knows I'm a scorer, so I think I try to every day get better and better on defense and try to stop their guy. And if I can stop my man, then there's no help, and I think it would just be easier for us. You guys played a lot of zone. Do you like playing zone, or do you rather play man? Uh, I think Coach isn't listening, don't worry. <laughs> no, uh, I think we're pretty good at both, but I think we all like zone. Yeah, yeah. yeah zone's pretty tough, too, though. you got to yeah. be thinking about it. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the win. Really appreciate you coming you. on the show. I have a tradition. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be watching today? Uh, just hopefully that uh, we get to host the next round, and just hopefully everyone's watching, and hopefully we win. Well, congratulations <laughs> on getting this far. Thank you. Appreciate you taking the time. Brian Sertino, uh, we're going to talk to their head coach coming up. Uh, Coach Jason Leon joins us here on Hoopsville. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. We'll be back for more here at Marietta right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. Uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. 
I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division One. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville. Of course, we are here in Marietta. I'm Dave McHugh, joined by my own by Jason Leon, head coach of Oswego. Of course, they get the big win over Gwyneth Mercy in the empty gym game, 78-77. First and foremost, congratulations. Big win for the program. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate it, Dave. Uh, it is a big win for our program. Uh, this is the first time that we've been... Uh, to the Sweet 16 in school history. Uh, our guys really have uh, been resilient this year. We started out one and four in our conference yeah. and have continued to get better. And uh, this was kind of a culmination of things. And today's win in particular was fun because it was on a last second shot. We've, yeah. been, on, we've been on the other end yeah, of those yeah. things a couple times this year. One of them appeared on Sports Center. So <laughs> I was just glad, you know, we, we all held our breath in that last shot by Gwen Mercy yeah. until that horn went off. The Sports Center one was a freaky one. I don't think you'll ever see that play again, but I can, I can appreciate where you're coming from. Um, we'll get to the game a little bit, but you and I talked midway through the season, just kind of conversing. You and I talk all season long. Mm -hmm. Midway through the season, I got a sense you were at a crossroads. This program was at a crossroads. You had come out of the gate a little bit struggling. You were one and four in the conference, and it sensed to me that you guys needed an aha moment. What was the aha moment? Uh, I don't think there was one. I just think our guys, to be honest with you, any team that does well, um, in sports, there, there at some point becomes some collective responsibility that occurs, and I think our group was no different. Um, I don't know if it was one game. I think we just continued to get better. And the frustrating thing for me as a coach was that we were we lost a couple games in that stretch when we were one and four, where we actually were playing good basketball. So to keep the guys poised and kind of on board, to their credit, they continued to buy into this whole process and. Uh, then the wind started to come, and uh, you know uh, we just got it going at the right time. And I, I, the only thing I told them as their coach is, in sports, most of the time people aren't going to remember how you start, but they'll certainly rem certainly remember how you finish. Yeah. And you know that that certainly has been indicative of our group here. And you certainly want to be in the conversation. You go through the SUNYAC, you get the big wins, you got Plattsburgh, you go on to beat Cortland in the conference tournament. You then get into the NCAA tournament and obviously uh, avoid the big dog in Marietta because when did Mercy knock him out? But then today's game was basically a matchup of the same two teams. Different looks from players, but same mentality. You and, and John certainly coach along the same ways. How tough was it to try and dictate when the other one's dictating the same thing? Uh, it was a difficult game because they score in bunches yeah. and they constantly put pressure on you because 
They're so good in transition. They're so good at getting to the foul line, uh, and they're very good on the offensive glass. Yeah. Um, you know, they they were a very good team. You know, I know Marietta technically got upset, but yeah, it's it's a dis. It, a lot of teams. When it deserves credit, they are very yeah. very good. They're. You know, if this was a matchup of a 2-15 game between Marianne and them, they're a lot better than that type of team. I mean, yeah. they, they can really score. They can play with a lot of people. Um, so this was a very good win for it us. It seemed like you slowed them down just a little bit. And they were, they'd go up tempo a few times on the offense, but they, they couldn't control the entire tempo of the game. Was that the game plan? Uh, no. We, I, I think the, the, thing that, the two things we tried to stress, and when I was at Keystone, I coached against John for yeah. four years. So there was a little bit of a familiarity there. Right. One of the in, in when John's teams are very very good, which they are this year, they really create easy opportunities. Mm -hmm. So our biggest thing was we had to create easy opportunities, and then we had to take care of the ball, and try as best we could to make it a five on five game instead of a game in transition, a game off the offensive glass, or with freebies on the foul line. Um, you know, we didn't take do a great job in transition, but we did keep them off the foul line. And you know, when you win by one point, we got one of the phases done, and that just we were fortunate that that happened to be enough. You held Daryl Arnis to, to, to six points. I mean, he went off for what 29, I think it was against Marietta. You held him to six. The two three certainly seemed to be pretty good. Was it just that you the zone was working perfectly enough to slow him down? Was what was it about that you were able to take advantage of to stop him? I'm not sure. I you know the one thing that is effective for us in our zone is we do have good length on the perimeter. Our shortest guy that we play is 6'3", so maybe we just pushed him out of his comfort zone a step more away from the basket. Maybe he just had a bad shooting night, sure. which is probably it. So I don't know if we deserve credit for that, but um, you know, he, he certainly was a key factor uh, in us having to win the game was to hold him in check a little bit. Quick game. This thing was done in less than 90 minutes. Uh, I, I had to look at the clock a couple times, but the last couple of minutes after the last timeout at a roughly, I want to say 220, I think there might have been a timeout after that, but the last minute, nobody called timeout. It was a not a free-for-all, but an up and down. Were you tempted at any point after they made the free throws, after you made the what turned out to be the game winner, to or, or any time in between that, to stop it and reset? Uh, no, uh, I just I we tell our guys it's part of the reason we practice is we go through these types of situations like a lot of coaches do, um, and you know we have a really good point guard and I feel comfortable with the ball in his hands mm. and with his decision making. Uh, Brian, just good things seem to happen when the ball's in his hands. If you call timeout in that situation, there's always a chance that the other coach could double team him yeah. and not allow him to get the ball. So I felt like that was the best thing in that particular situation. Um, and then I actually thought I agreed with what John did too. I mean, there's so many plays that yeah. end up in a scramble situation at the end of games. And they got a great look. It just happened to not go in. So I asked, I asked uh, Brian this just earlier. When did it sink in that you guys had won? Because that first off, the sh jumper looked like it had a. I mean, it did have a good chance oh, yeah. of going in. There's no question. And then the question is, did it get off before the buzzer or not? Then the second thing is, it just seemed like everybody just kind of stopped for a second, going, "Wait, game's over." Yeah, yeah. It when was, did it sink in? Well, I think. Uh, once I saw the referees running off the floor, maybe I, I don't know. I, you know, we have been. It's not. We have been on the other side of that, two or three times this year, where it was just very uh, hard to go talk to the team after the game because yeah. we had lost on a buzzer beater or a very difficult shot at the end of regulation. So, I just was ecstatic that it worked out in our favor this time. That would have been a tough conversation to walk into the locker room sure. afterwards. And 
Especially know, not, after leading most of the game. Yeah, and, and, and not to discredit, you know, John's kids played with a tremendous amount of heart, and they were very deserving as well to win the game. It just happened there was one more play yeah. made by us. So they deserve, Gwyneth deserves a lot of credit. So you move on now to the second weekend of the tournament, and as you and I are talking, we don't know the answer. By the time this airs, we'll know the answer. Decent chance you're hosting now due to other upsets in the bracket. What does that mean? Not only moving on to the weekend, but just the thought that you could actually have this at home. That would be great. I mean, we've had enough eight-hour bus rides to <laughs> Ohio in the last couple of years. So yeah. Not that I, I, I've not enjoyed that counting. It. Yeah, I've enjoyed our the, the hospitality has been great, and the facilities have been great, and the crowds have been great. But uh, clearly, you know, if you get an opportunity to play at home in these things, it's a great thing for our community. It's a great thing for our players. And, you know, if you can eliminate travel, obviously that's – I don't know if it affects the outcomes of the game, but it is clearly something that you would want. It might be a little different than playing in a nearly empty gym, too. Yeah, we've had a couple of those in the last couple House, of weeks, too. Yeah. When we upset Plattsburgh last uh, Saturday, we played uh, in front of 7,500 people in the conference championship against Portland. So, hey, we're, we're, as long as they throw the ball up and we're playing for something, we're, we're happy. We don't care who's in the gym. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Suniak – I don't even know when we're talking if Cortland was able to pull it off, but at least you no represent idea. the conference moving on into the second weekend. I know that's big for not only you, but also league. for the conference. It's important for our league. We, there's not, it's not a big uh, secret that uh, our league uh, has had some opportunities in the last few years and um, in our region in that mat for yeah. that matter. And uh, making a little, we felt like coming in here, we held a little bit of a flag uh, for the region and for our league uh, to try to get something done. And um, I'm happy it worked out. It could have very easily you know, hopefully, I haven't seen the Cortland score. Hopefully, it was as they're moving on as well. Um, Plattsburgh had a tough loss last night, but we're just happy as heck. You're crazy, and you don't want to be his bus driver. You're heading home after this. That's it's right. obviously Saturday when we're talking. You're heading home. How long's the trip? Eight hours. Oh, you're crazy. Hey. Thanks for coming on. We now. didn't have it any any other way, you know. Hey, as always, I give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts? Thanks for being here. You know, it took an NCAA game for you to come see me, oh, see us play live. For God's that's sake, that's not so. true. I was up there a couple years ago. You yeah, forget. you were. You were. Yeah, you that's were. That's right. But this is the first time you see us play when we've actually won. So that's yeah, a that's good true. Thing. That's, that's absolutely good. true. That's good. So. Jason Leon here from uh, Oswego, and of course we're here in Marietta. We return to the studio when we come back with more hoops. So right after this, hoops are presented by D3Hoops.com. More after the break. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a current Division III student athlete and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe student athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are Division III student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III.
cheer for the stumbles. That he should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. It has been a, a jam-packed one so far. Thank you <clears throat> to Oswego's Jason Leon, and of course, junior guard Brian Tortino for joining us. Also, I want to thank John Barron as well um, from uh, Gwen and Mercy. Did an interview with him. You can see on d3hoops.com after the game. An emotional finish for Gwen and Mercy. Um, obviously, they they didn't have the finish uh, they were hoping for. Um, but nonetheless, um, you know, an emotional year for them. And I talked to John, not for Hoopsville. I did it for D3 Hoops. You can see it on the D3 Hoops website. Not now. Do not go now. We are talking about Hoopsville, and you cannot leave the show right now. <laughs> if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville. Those are the nice, easy ways that you can get a hold of us. Of course, we're also on Instagram, though we don't tend to answer questions there. At D3 Hoopsville is how you can interact with us there um lots of uh conversations obviously there with oswego uh we're gonna switch gears and go up and talk um <laughs> sorry uh, i noticed a tweet here matt noonan noticing that i had mentioned that i thought um johnson and wales men's basketball have a really good chance to get salem out of the weekend they have in front of me again depends on flair uh flannery at babson if he's 100 percent, i don't think they they do but if he's not 100 percent the Gammers can get past them, but I think Johnson and uh, John, uh, Johnson and Wales could potentially get out of that weekend. I, I, I like what's in front of them right now. Uh, nonetheless, anyway, Jamie, uh, uh, I think it's Marco, says I'm a smart man. Well, that's up for debate, Jamie. Anyway, um, we'll switch gears. Go to St. Thomas now. St. Thomas men, uh, unfortunately, because they lost the Mayak Championship, had to host a pod. If they had won, if you might remember the committee chair, Brian Van Haften, saying if they had won, they were most likely getting the bye uh, to feature um, uh, feature Harden-Simmons, it turned out to be. Instead, they had to play both games. And for them, that mean getting meant getting past Central, uh, 78-66, a little bit closer game than maybe some anticipated, but 12 points still good. And then Elmer's knocking out the second CCIW team of three, 94-81. Uh, Pat Coleman was there and uh, saw the end of Pat Coleman's career. <laughs> Elmer's has a guard named Pat Coleman. And interestingly enough, his career is now over at Elmer's because he's a senior and Elmer's is out of the tournament. And interestingly enough, Pat Coleman is coming to the end of his day-to-day -day operations at D3Hoops.com. Rather apropos. Nonetheless, Pat did his job and he talked to St. Thomas's head coach, John Tower, for us. Here's that interview with Coach Tower. From the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota, I'm Pat Coleman uh, reporting in for Hoopsville here with head coach John Tower as the uh, Tommies of St. Thomas defeated Elmhurst on a Saturday night by the score of 94-81. to 81. Uh, First of all, uh, coach, uh, your season not completely started but more or less started on Hoopsville and uh, welcome back. Well, thank you. I have uh, fond memories of an interview with Dave McHugh back out in Baltimore at the Hoopsville Classic and that was you know, really, it was our second and third game of the year, but really did lay the foundation for this season, playing those two tough games out there against Emory and Southern Vermont. Um, you know, it really, it, it set the bar high for our guys and just uh, thrilled with the way they played all season. 
Yeah, uh, Southern Vermont, a, a team that made the tournament. Emory's still in the tournament, um, and a team that uh, you'll at least get an opportunity to watch uh, coming up here at the uh, round of 16 next week. But uh, I want to talk about uh, how you guys got here this year, especially uh, down the stretch. You know, last season, obviously, uh, you know, you guys uh, lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, this year, you know, lost in the conference uh, tournament championship game, but uh, then came out, had maybe the what is now the typical struggle in the first round, I guess, for the Tommies in the tournament, and then uh, really came and uh, turned it on here at the end against Elmhurst. Yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the things, we built a schedule that we thought this team had a chance to be special. We graduated Connor Nord and Marcus Alapate, who were both 1,000-point scorers. Um, but when you look at, you know, Southern Vermont, Emory, at Stevens Point, at Eau Claire, at River Falls. I mean, that, that non-conference schedule we thought set up to be as tough as anybody. And I think um, when you look at our in-region record, I think it was 11-1 and one this year, which I think was the most games and wins anybody around the country had within their, their uh, or against regionally ranked opponents. And so um, this team rose to the challenge. And even though we lost in the Mayak playoffs, I mean, St. Olaf's as good a team as we saw all year. Um, and so our guys, I think they knew that um, we had to play a certain style, and you know, last night the the first round is always a little bit tenuous, I think. But it also Central's really good in this region, um, in this bracket. You're going to see really good teams night in and night out, and so I think um, we've got veteran leadership, and they're poised, and uh, certainly very pleased with how they played tonight. Yeah, and clearly, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to backtrack into the MIIC for a second, but clearly a, a big season for the MIIC. I think five teams regionally ranked when it came down to it. Uh, St. Olaf won a first-round game against North Central, a team from the CCIW, just like Elmhurst, and, and took St. Norbert on their home floor down to the final minute. It was really a, a good year for this conference. Oh, it was the Mayak. I'll tell you what, it was as balanced as any year I've been a part of in the 20 years playing and coaching. And you look at five regionally ranked teams, you know, Gustavus, who I think ended up eighth, and their coach Mark Hansen has joked they've got to be the best eighth place team in the country, which I agree with. I mean, I they are unbelievable, and they had some injuries, but it just, you look at who beat up who all year long in the Mayak, and I thought for our guys to go 18 and 2 through that schedule, you look at the games we had, there were probably 10 of them that were um, tight games and, and road games. So, I, you know, this team is. To be at this point in the year, um, you'd always love to be undefeated, but the reality is I look at the games we played and just uh, incredibly impressed with how our guys have stuck together. Uh, tonight, a battle of a couple of really senior-laden teams, uh, nine on their side, six on your side. I know part of the reason they say senior-led teams are great in the D1 tournament is because there aren't as many seniors in Division One. Obviously, there's a lot of seniors in Division Three, but how much do you, uh, do you think that that translates over into D3? Oh, without question. I mean, Elmhurst, uh, you know, the urgency they played with tonight, the passion, it was, um, I mean, quite honestly, this game was inspiring to be a part of. It was fun. It was competitive. Um, Coach Baines does a great job. And uh, I think our seniors tonight played like you hope seniors would play. Um, that said, I mean, I, I think what's special about the Division Three tournament is the, the difference is so fine-grained between, you know, anybody who's playing in the first round and certainly in the second round. And so, you know, and we've been in the tournament enough times, you know that everybody you see, we've seen, you know, in 09, we saw Stevens Point. We were first in the country. They were fourth in the country. We saw them in the second round. I thought tonight was a game that could be at any round in the tournament, and there were certainly others in the country like that. So it just, it's, um, it's fun to be a part of, but it's also, you know, the nature of the beast that you're going to have tough games every single round.
Uh, I want to start with uh, the the guy who was the standout in their side, and then we'll talk about uh, some of the guys on your side. But uh, you know, Kyle Wiest uh, through the first 30 minutes looked like he was going to be the you know the national player of the year. He scored 33 of the first 64 points, 10 of 16 from the floor, five of eight from downtown. Um, and until he went out uh, went out with an injury, it looked like you guys just didn't have any kind of answer for him. Yeah, and I'll tell you, we tried. Uh, we threw everything in the kitchen sink at him. We had Cortez guard him, Grant guard him. We had Ryan Bowl. Ryan Sarla and I mean he just one of the better individual performances I've ever seen and, and very unfortunate that he got injured and showed I think the grit and competitiveness to come back in the game um, but he you know and their team is not a one-man show you look at their statistics he could probably score 25 a night but they've got a, a multitude of weapons both inside and out and just a, an outstanding team. Uh, on your side, uh, obviously Ryan Sarla had a fantastic weekend for you guys. Uh, you were talking about in the post-game news conference about how you wanted him to be uh, uh, was it less unselfish, right? Did I get that? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm making, I'm paraphrasing, and I'm not sure I quite paraphrased correctly, but obviously just wanting to, him to take a few more shots. Well, yeah, I, I think I said we talk all the time to him about taking more shots, and he's fine saying. I don't need to take more shots, and I'm not fine with him not to. I mean, I think he led the conference in shooting percentage, and even tonight he took 10 shots the entire game. You know, so he just, he's. Uh, when we recruited him, his high school coach told us he was the best person he had ever coached. Um, didn't even start on his high school team most of the time, and his freshman year here, he was a backup on the Final Four team and really didn't play at all, and he just has been tireless in working. And um, he had one of his rougher games of his career or certainly a senior season last Sunday against St. Olaf, and that's a credit to them and their defensive schemes. But he came back against two really good teams, and I think he had 44 points and 22 rebounds in two nights, and all that within the scheme of the offense and never trying to do too much. Yeah, tonight a rough game, but more physically. Oh, absolutely. Last night he had a game where it was a decided advantage, I think, inside, and certainly tonight was a game where you look at the posts that they put out there, and they're behemoths and really, really athletic um, and, and discipline, so uh, incredibly proud of him. Uh, six guys played most of the minutes for you tonight. Uh, you know, a couple guys off the bench, also uh, nine and eight minutes apiece. Having the media timeouts and having the you know opportunity to get some of those starters some rest, does that help you you know manage your rotation, or is that just the way that you guys want to play this year? No, I, well, I think there's no question. Other years we probably played more guys, but since the NCAA has gone to the media timeouts in every round, that necessarily changes things in the way you look at it. So the number of minutes that. You know, you look at our top six guys, and we really have six starters. Their minutes have gone up, and we've explained that to, to our bench guys, that it's not an easy role when you look at Cullen Ogren and Ryan Johnson and John Vile and Jordan Burrich. I mean, they never know when they're going to play, but I thought tonight they came off the bench and gave us really good energy, and Cullen Ogren in particular, that's another senior post for us who, you know, there was a time this year he didn't get in some games, and I don't know if I've ever coached a guy who's more unselfish, and he hit big jumpers the last two games that, um, again, just, you know, it's very gratifying as a coach to see a senior who's put in that much time reap the rewards of it. Uh, Grant Schaefer uh, was talking after the game that maybe 16 shots he took was too many. How do you feel about that? Well, I'll tell you, Grant is as great a competitor as I've ever coached. I mean, he just, he wants the ball in his hands. Um, 
he's a junior, but I don't think any of our guys would question he's our vocal leader. He's the guy that um, they rally around. And so, you know, part of that tonight was Cortez having foul trouble. Cortez had a great game, but he only played 20 minutes. He had 15 points in 20 minutes because of constant foul trouble. So, yeah, I don't think we want Grant taking 16 shots. That's a statistically that's an anomaly for him. But I also thought most of them were really good shots that, you know, to go eight for 16 and run the offense like he did. Um, we're very pleased with him. Uh, I'm Pat Coleman. We're talking with John Tower, the uh, St. Thomas head coach here on Hoopsville. Uh, if Dave were the producer in my ear, he would be telling me to get you to come back into the uh, camera just a little bit. So uh, you're, yeah, there we go. That would be better. There. I, I now, uh, now. Dave has feedback on everything, right? <laughs> Dave, Dave likes. Uh, He's always got information <laughs> tips for us. Now Dave's OCD is hopefully a little bit more, uh, a little bit more uh, mollified here. Mollified. Go look that up for your SAT. All right. Let's see. A um, couple of other things I wanted to talk about. Um, so let's see. Uh, you, there was a, a long break uh, when they were wiping uh, blood off of every spot of the floor. It seemed like uh, you know a spot in the game where I think you guys are up ten uh, with a, probably about three minutes or so to go. Um, you know you have a long time to talk to your players at, a, at an opportunity at a spot in the game where you just never really get that opportunity. So what did uh, what did you talk about? What were the sort of things that went on then? I, you know, at, at some point you, you run an offensive set and you, you know what you're in defensively, schematically, but, you know, at some point we just started shooting the breeze and talking about what a fun game. I mean, really, it was yeah. what a great environment and take a minute and look around. We didn't think it was going to be a five-minute break, but just soak this in. I mean, how often do you get to, you know, really pause and say, this is what we work for, um, and the crowd's going wild, and, you know, at that point, a 10-point lead with three minutes left. I think they came back and hit a three quickly after that. Um, so, you know, a 10-point lead, we were in no position to celebrate. It was more uh, what we talked about is stay focused. We need to get more defensive stops. And I think that's, you know, the mark of great teams is um, really being diligent in not playing the scoreboard, not playing the score, but really just the next possession. Um, and you've talked, uh, just like Glenn Caruso has talked about with the football team, about just trying to keep the group together, right? One of the things that you get by winning more games is just an opportunity to continue to be a group and, and, and be out there together. Without question. I mean, Glenn's a good friend of mine, and uh, we have lots of talks about sports and psychology. And, um, you know, this group, they've got, I think, 102 wins now, the seniors in this group. Um, and it really is. I mean, this time of the year, the two things we've talked about playing with urgency and playing with joy you know those two things that and I thought our guys did a really good job of both of those and that's not easy the first round game you know everybody's been asking us for a year about what happened last year in the first round well we played a really good team and they they beat us last night we played a really good team and I thought our guys were able to enjoy the moment sometimes the pressure of you know we've been to the national tournament 11 straight years we won 11 straight conference titles and I think sometimes People look at it like, well, you just should do that, and they forget that these seniors have been through unbelievable tests, as you talked about in the MIAC, to, to get to this point. So I'm just I'm thrilled for them that they're able to enjoy this, and uh, and then we'll get back to work on Monday. Yeah, and you know, you don't yet know who you're going back to work against, and we have an inkling that it'll be at Augustana, but it'll be either against Whitman or Whitworth, but you guys have seen both of those teams this year, so what do you take away from, or not this year, right? That's last year, but, right. uh, but what, what can you take away from uh, what you saw from them, which is now like 15 months ago yeah well I'll tell you it'll be really interesting regardless of who wins because we played Augustana in 2011 on the way to the national title we played them in 2014 when they beat us with all the same team they were all sophomores starting then so they're I mean they're downright scary Emery who right. won tonight is playing Augustana we played them earlier in the year and and Jason does a tremendous job in fact I talked to him two days ago and we were sort of commiserating about the the tournament and the stresses 
And then Whitworth and Whitman, we've played twice in the last three years, not this season, but in 2013 and 2015. So mm -hmm. good friends with the coaches, utmost respect for the, the programs. And um, I'll tell you, this is just, you know, when you talk about what's special about Division Three basketball, you've got outstanding teams who are well coached and the players are great student athletes. It really, it epitomizes why we do what we do. So we'll get ready, but it'll, I'm looking forward to watching that game tonight because both Eric and Matt are friends and their teams are outstanding. I can only imagine um, out in Spokane, the crowd they have in Whitworth. Yeah, uh, I will try to wrap up here pretty quickly so you can get back and maybe at least watch the second half of that. Um, but, you know, assuming this is probably your final home game of the season here tonight, how'd you feel about the way things ended here? You get a chance to win big on your home floor in front of a pretty good crowd. Oh, I, yeah. How, you know, what kind of a script that writes? And I think, um, you know, our seniors, we had a good sense we would be hosting at least in the first weekend. We lost to St. Olaf last week. Um, there was certainly a bitter taste in our guy's mouth, but you know, you never want a loss to refocus you, but going into the tournament, it certainly, it's a good reminder that you have to play uh, both with a lot of passion, but also with crisp execution. And so for our seniors, if it is the last time they walk off this court, um, what wonderful memories they'll have and what the fans that these guys, the, the joy they brought to the fans over the last four years, uh, pretty special. All right, and, and Dave, I remembered that on Hoopsville, we always give the coach the final word, so here's your shot, your final word. Well, this is where Dave is going to ask me to give him probably, certainly the lion's share of the credit for our season um, based on the Hoopsville Classic. In fact, he told me that a week ago. He said, if you guys go far, don't forget to give me the credit. So, Dave, uh, these two wins are for you, and we are incredibly grateful, though, for what you do, what Dave does, and all of D3 Hoops. It's such a service to you know, our players, our fans, our parents, it just, it's a resource that is, um, we're blessed to have it and we're incredibly grateful for what you've done for 19 years and I know you're stepping back on the, the basketball part, but I have memories back in grad school. I graduated from St. Thomas in 1995 and that got me my fix of basketball. I wasn't coaching at the time, I was getting my PhD in psychology, but that's when D3 Hoops started back in, what, 90? Yeah, I took it in 97, but it was around in 95. Yeah. So my five years in grad school in Madison, that's what I used to sort of keep me plugged into the Division Three network. And um, it really, I mean, I've got 13 and 10-year-old sons, and they know that website probably better than any other one. So thank you very much. It's uh, I, we're incredibly appreciative. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. That's head coach John Tower of the uh, St. Thomas Tommies men's basketball team. His team improved to 26-3, and yes, by defeating Elmhurst on a Saturday night by the score of 94-81. to Now back to Dave in Hoopsville. Well, those guys are funny, aren't they? <laughs> Thank you, Pat. And Coach John Tower at St. Thomas, really appreciate taking the time. We're a few minutes behind, but I'll wrap up quickly. Obviously, they have a big test ahead of them, taking on Whitman, who is the upset special with the win over Whitworth. Uh, those games will be played at Augustana. Uh, Coach Tower and I were joking about the Hoopsville Classic. I said, it'd be great if you could go and win. You know, it'd be a nice little feather in the cap for the Hoopsville National Invitational Classic at Stevenson. I apparently went a little further than that, <laughs> but thank you very much. Uh, to the guys out there. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Scranton women's basketball. Uh, Trevor Woodruff will join us, and we'll we'll throw him in the WBCA center court at the end. Also still ahead, Stevens women's basketball coach Megan uh, Howie will join us, and Bob Sheldon from Tufts men's basketball. You're listening to Hoops Open by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA NABC studios, we have more Hoopsville coming up uh, after the break. For the love of the game, 
That's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation not merely to work towards a personal best in the classroom or in the sport we love, but rather an obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. For Special Olympics athletes, victory belongs not only to those who first cross the line, but to all of those who compete and endure. They are challenged in ways we cannot imagine. They are survivors who test themselves harder and with greater joy than we will ever know. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn, as we all do, that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Sport ennobles us, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. Celebrate the soggy shoes and the slow starts. Celebrate the lessons learned along the way. These are the wins. Not the shiny nail-biting kind. These are the last a lifetime kind. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, you got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, I just realized that I've now, I apparently didn't quite get myself all together uh, for this show. We, as I said, we came roaring off the road from coming out of Ohio, where you saw some games this weekend, and I had to get a couple ducks in a row, and apparently those ducks did not include two things, one of them being uh, a phone number for our next guest. He's on the line, but he, we had to scramble there. And the other thing I just realized is I don't have my uh, earpiece set up to even hear him, but we're working on that as I stall. Um, I do have some emails. I know I saw them in there with questions. I will get to those momentarily. Just give me a moment to get to them. We will certainly try and answer those questions. Uh, our next guest, women's basketball coach uh, at Scranton. They are undefeated at 29-0. and 0. To say the least, that's impressive considering where they were starting from um, with a new program, basically. Uh, you know, Trevor Woodruff took over the program. We had him on the very beginning of the season, very uh, late in the process, as it were. But they're 29 and 0. It shook up the program. Clearly, it's working. So let's go back and figure out what's what's worked, and and talk about the fact they're hosting the next weekend. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by the City of Salem, Trevor Woodruff, on the line. Coach, how you doing, sir? 
Doing great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, apparently, I can't spell your name right either. I'm telling you, it's one of those days. <laughs> um, first and foremost, congratulations on a number of things. First off, 29-0 and 0 at this point in the season, to still be in the tournament at this point in the season, and to be hosting the second weekend in a row. You have got to be thrilled with how this, this season has turned out. Well, to say the least, um, you know, I don't think anybody was predicting this. Certainly I wasn't. I know you weren't. Um, Thanks, but it, uh, <laughs> but it certainly has, uh, it certainly has turned out to, to be about as a good a season as we could have hoped for. Um, obviously for the reasons you mentioned, but for the relationships we've been able to build and in a short period of time and, uh, with the team and with the, with the greater grant community has just been very fulfilling. And I think certainly looking back on the reasons I took the job, it's, uh, it was a good decision. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the beginning of the season. I've said it on D3 Boards. It was really con- just concerning to see this storied program struggling with its hiring process and then you coming in in such a late point in the in the hiring phase. I mean, for a lot of teams, they'd love to have uh, a coach in place by the end of the spring so at least the students have somebody they can talk to before they go to the summer. You guys, you, yeah. you took over. They were already back in school, am I correct, by the time you got on campus? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, no chance to even mold them over the summer. And now you're picking up basically, you know, late and getting things rolling. You, you certainly took the, took the reins of this program. And and in my opinion, you you shook up what seemed to be a pretty good program and made it even better and very quick succession. Well, I appreciate that. I, um, you know, I've gotten a considerable amount of credit for this. In reality, it's, it's, it's about a hundred percent about the girls. Um, you know, they had a culture of winning when I arrived. They, um, you know, they accepted me into their family, and I just had to basically not screw it up and um, <laughs> try show up with a plan and and uh, maybe change a few things. But it's really about them. And you know, the truth is that I don't think the I don't the way it ended up playing out obviously was good for my on my behalf because I ended up getting the job. But um, I think it just speaks to the process. I think Scran trusted their process. Uh, the first time around, they didn't like how it was going, so they, they decided to kind of give it a kickstart and, and reboot the thing. And, you know, I think everybody is, is pretty happy with um, how it's turned out. And I know I am, and, and uh, you know, at least until we lose, I think our fans and our community are as well. I would be pretty thrilled if I was, if my team was 29-0, and 0, uh, sitting in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament and about to host it for the second weekend in a row. I'd be thrilled. You're playing, I mean, as I said to somebody, you're playing with house money at this point. Uh, to some degree. You know, I think we'll, we'll walk in uh, this week of practice and certainly into the game on Friday expecting to win, just like uh, the other 15 teams in the country are going to expect to win. Um, but there's probably a certain degree of, uh, boy, we've really been able to do a good thing, a lot of good things this year. And, and from this point on, if, if we're able to continue playing and continue to win, uh, maybe it would be a little icing on the cake. But uh, we're certainly going to go into the game expecting to win and, and knowing we're going to have to play very well to beat a quality uh, Christopher Newport team. Uh, certainly the the run in the tournament's been spectacular. The run through the conference to go undefeated uh, in the conference is to say something. I don't remember the last time. I, I, I assume maybe somebody's gone through the conference undefeated. To be honest with you, I can't remember. Certainly, Scranton has never pulled off that feat. Um, you know, out of conference includes some wins over some conference uh, or some NCAA tournament teams, including Johnson and Wales, for example, and Cabrini. 
uh, and some others. What's been the secret to the season? What has what has clicked between especially you and the team and the team itself that has gotten you guys rolling along here and then got two just dominating wins in the tournament? Well, I would say the first thing was uh, Marcy Seniors um, bought in from day one. They, uh, that's my four-year-old in the back. It's okay. <laughs> I've got one, too. My <laughs> um, two seniors, uh, Noel Alise and Jackie Gantz, bought in from day one. And they have been a tremendous resource for me in terms of bridging and, and building relationships with the other players. Uh, when they when they when they just showed up and said we're going to do what this guy tells us to do, um, it really gave no one else an excuse. And uh, so I think that was really the first thing. Uh, I think the second thing is that we have we have a lot of quality players. Um, you know, starting with our in, our two inside girls, Sarah Payunk and, and Alexis Roman. You know, if you can start with two quality post players in Division Three women's basketball, you've got a fairly decent shot to have a good year. Um, and then surround them with some other quality players. The two seniors I mentioned, our starting point guard as a freshman, who has just, uh, you know, has really uh, emerged and, and become more than, than we thought she may be at the beginning of the year. So everything's quick. The, the, the chemistry is tremendous. They bought into to what we've sold. And, uh, you know, you put all that together, you got a chance to be pretty good. Certainly 29-0 was not something we thought about. But, um I, I thought early on we had a chance to do some, some pretty good things. Well, it certainly has been special. You'll have Christopher Newport coming up. Before I get there, I also want to go over the last two games you guys played at home. Uh, WPI coming out of the New England, and obviously Marymount coming out of the CAC. Uh, WPI winning their way in, Marymount getting the at-large bid. Uh, I mean, dominating wins. You beat uh, WPI by 27, or 25, and you beat Marymount by uh uh, 16. What what was it about that you guys took advantage of with those two teams that worked so well? Well, the first thing is that the scores probably aren't indicative of how how competitive the games were. Um, in both cases, they were they were tight right through halftime. I think we may have had a little lead in both games, but uh, I thought two excellent opponents. Um, probably the two most physical games we had to play all year, uh, and playing them back to back. Uh, was not an easy thing to do. I thought um, WPI on Friday night uh, did a terrific job. Um, they had a defensive plan uh, against our inside game that we hadn't seen all year. And I, gave, I give their coaching staff a lot of credit and their kids. They uh, they certainly pushed us to, to the brink. I know it ended up 20-something, but it was a much closer game than that. Um, and I thought that the Friday night game really – um, wore us out. We, we were a tired team on Saturday and, uh, you know, playing a good Marymount team that had some, some physical inside players and some, some excellent perimeter players as well who, um, you know, played us relatively even until, you know, probably uh, towards the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. So uh, if you're asking me for one thing that sticks out to me, I would say it was our defense. Um, you know, we held both teams in the 40s, I think 42 and 44. And if if you can do that defensively, you've got a pretty good chance to win every night. So, you know, I would say our defense was probably the difference in both games. Um, you'll ahead. You have Christopher Newport, another CAC team. Of course, Christopher Newport mm-hmm. got the at large bid as well and played extremely well in the opening weekend. And and leading up to uh, uh, to the end of the season, they had won seventeen in a row at one point. 
-hmm. obviously you're early on in your stages of, of looking them over. And I don't think, I don't even know if you'll get official video until probably tomorrow anyway. What do you expect from Christopher Newport in this matchup? Well, they're an impressive team. I've, uh, I've had a chance to see him play a few times this season, uh, um, you know, on video, uh, on the video stream. And they've got a lot of talented players. I think their coach uh, is a pretty intense guy, from what I can tell. And <laughs> his, his, his uh, I say that uh, with respect. It, his kids play like he coaches, mm -hmm. and uh, they're they're a tough bunch. I think they're they're turning people over, uh, maybe second or third in the country in steals, really getting after people defensively. And uh, you know they're going to present some some problems for us, no question. Um, hopefully. You know, when he sees tape of us, he thinks the same thing, and, and um, it's not, not just me worrying. But they're a quality team, and, you know, we're going to have our hands full, no doubt. I know you're not looking that far ahead, but on the other side of the bracket at your place is going to be Tufts or Albright. Obviously, the tournament doesn't get easier as it moves along, but you certainly have a really tough battle on the other side should you get past Christopher Newport as well. What's going to be the secret to getting through this weekend to get a chance to get to Capitol? I would say you, you just have to be prepared to play the best you can. It's 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 cliche and it's it's it sounds simplistic, but if if you think about the next game, you're really making a big mistake. Um, there's four quality teams going to be in Scranton this weekend, and the team that plays the best is going to win. It's simple and it's cliche, but that's really the truth. Um, if we don't play at or near our best, we won't beat Christopher Newport. Um, and if we're able to do that. We're going to have to do the same on Saturday because I, I've seen both Tufts uh, and Albright, and they are every bit as talented, every bit as good, every bit as uh, well coached. Anything that makes a team good, they all three of these teams are just as good as us. So we're going to have to play very, very well in advance. Um, obviously, twenty nine and zero. This question may not seem um, like it makes any sense. But obviously, you coached men for a long time uh, at Misericordia. Now you're you're coaching women. What's been the biggest shift for you in sense of coaching the two? Obviously, there's a ton of similarities. It's basketball, after all. But there's also a lot of differences. What's been your What's been the biggest thing you've had to adjust to? Well, I think uh, one thing is, you know, at Scranton in, in the women's program, the expectation is through the roof. Um, you know, I, I yeah. don't think anybody guessed we'd be 29 and 0. But if you ask the the fans, they probably would all tell you, yeah, we thought they would be. Um, it's just an expectation that every time you go out, you're the favorite. You're supposed to win, and I think that creates a little bit different type of pressure um, at Misericordia. You know, by the end, we have become a perennial contender for our conference championship. Right. Have gotten to the NCAs a few times, but. I don't think it was ever a situation where you, you had a bullseye on you every single night. And in this case, um, you know, Scranton is, is expected to win. And so that, that it's a different kind of pressure. I would say that's probably the biggest difference between the, the two jobs. In terms of the male-female thing, it's, the, the similarities are much greater than the, than the differences. Sure. Makes sense. Uh, Coach, if you don't mind, I wanted to have a little fun with you in, the, in what we call the WBCA Center Court. WBCA, of course, a big sponsor, uh, first-time sponsor of Hoopsville here. And uh, uh, while uh, we haven't necessarily talked about your off-the-court ex, you know, uh, experiences and stuff, I did want to ask you the, uh, the seven, eight questions that we always ask coaches. 
in the center court. Do you mind having a little fun with us? Well, I've been a WBCA member for a couple months now, so yeah. I don't see why not. Let's I figured I'd, I figured I'd break you in just a little bit here. <laughs> um, first off, what's your favorite thing about coaching, especially in Division Three? I think the balance of, of uh, actually being a student athlete—you um, deal with such great kids every single day um, who get it. They understand the purpose of of being in school, and uh, they don't compete any less hard than the Division One people and um, they understand how to balance the two. And I would just tell you in my, whatever, 12 years now in division three coaching, the best part of the kids. That's a pretty good one. What's your biggest pet peeve? Um, I hate riding the bus. I, uh, <laughs> it's just the, I'm not that old. I don't think, but the older I get, the less I like it. Um, I find myself thinking about, uh, you know, what my son's doing and, uh, what I could be doing with those kind of things, and, and you know, the sort of bus trips kind of wear on you. Well, speaking of that, what's your craziest travel experience? Oh man, um, we uh, when I was at Misericordia, we uh, took the team to Ireland one summer, and uh, we were in the airport getting ready to fly home, and there was a malfunction, some type of engineering issue with the airplane. We we sat in the airport for. 12 or 14 hours uh, waiting for the plane. And uh, my thought was, well, if there's one issue with the plane that takes 12 hours to fix, why are they putting us on that same plane? Uh, that was a concern of mine. But we made it home safe, so it was a, it was a good ending. <laughs> yeah, that would freak me out a little bit. Um, <laughs> is there a favorite rule or nuance to the game that you love? Uh, I actually I enjoy the the quarters um you know i i used to coach uh, in high school right out of college i was a high school coach for four years so had some experience with it but i've enjoyed that um i like being able to move the ball uh on a timeout in the last uh in the last minute of the, of the fourth quarter kind of you know changes how the end of games play out makes it a little bit more exciting uh, certainly spend a little more time on your sideline out of bounds plays but both of those have been uh, have been nice additions to the game. Um, I was going to say your your out of bounds plays book probably like everybody else's probably quadrupled <laughs> in size. Um, any uh, what rule or, or, or what rule would you add, remove, or change? Oh boy, um, I had a referee on Saturday came down the sideline. My toes my toes were on the court. Uh, literally, my toes were on the court, and he said, Coach, next time you step on the floor, I'm giving you a technical. <laughs> and I said, I said, really? And he looked at me like I was uh, six years old trying to steal an extra cookie after dinner. Um, it, was, uh, it was interesting, so I, I tried to stay a little bit uh, farther off the court. I, I, uh, I saw that happen in a men's game, too. Yeah. It, was, it, it wasn't even a situation where he, he warned me or said, you're in my way. It was just, don't do it again. I saw a ref make a big deal about a warning uh, to a guy who did the exact same thing. Um, yeah. Any pregame ritual or superstition? Um, well, I generally try to wait uh, as long as I can to come out of the locker room. I It's just watching warm-ups and, and uh, some of the things the kids do during warm-ups that we don't, we don't teach them to do. The bad <laughs> habit. That's so I try to stay in the locker room and not watch the warm up. I noticed that when I saw you at Goucher, you were you were missing for a very long period of time. Yeah, that was that wasn't an accident. 
would you say? That was not an accident. Yeah, no, clearly. Now I understand it. Um, how would your assistants describe you as a coach? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, well, I will tell you, I've, I've got uh, all new assistant coaches, and they range from age 70 to 23, Yeah, uh, male and female. So there's a wide-ranging uh, the 70 year old would probably tell you that uh, I'm a tough, intense, fiery coach. The two females who are a bit younger would probably tell you I'm a crazy, out of control lunatic. Um, same guy, just different perspective, I guess. Yeah, good point. Uh, final question: When you retire, because all all coaches do, when do you? What do you hope people will remember you as a coach? Well, I hope people. Um, understand how much I care about kids and want to see them do well. Uh, that's, that's really what drew me to the sport. The, uh, you know, the coaches I had in the past and, and what they did for me uh, really showed me what it was all about. And hopefully on, on a day-to-day basis, I'm able to uh, do the same things for the young people that, that I'm in touch with. And, and if people say that about me, regardless of the, of the wins and losses, I think I'd be happy with that. Very good. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. It's going to be a busy weekend up at Scranton, and basketball is not the only reason. Um, but have fun with this. Enjoy the next weekend. Enjoy the tournament. Uh, whenever this comes to an end, it doesn't matter. It was a terrific season for Scranton women's basketball. I applaud you. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I'll probably echo uh, everybody else that comes on, just uh, thanking you and, and Pat, Pat especially, because he, he picked us to advance to the Final Four, yeah. um, whereas you didn't. But I did. The job, <laughs> the job that, uh, that you guys do is, is a thankless one in many cases, but it's a, it's a valued one, and, and I know everybody at Scranton appreciates the job you do, and uh, maybe not our fans, but everybody that's within the program does. Thank you, Trevor. Appreciate. It. Hey, Pat and I can't agree on everything, can we? I mean, it would be it'd be less fun that way. Well, you kicked him out as soon as he said Scranton's going to the Final Four. The next thing you said is he's done doing Division Three basketball. That's true. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, thanks so much. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Be good. All right, you too, Trevor Woodruff, joining us on the City of Salem's uh, hotline. Of course, City of Salem hosting the Division Three Men's Championship weekend coming up in uh, less than two weeks. Get your tickets today. Join us in the Roanoke Valley. On the flip side of that, of course, WBCA Center Court. I want to thank those of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association for coming on board with Hoopsville this year. Appreciate them taking the time. Going to take another break. When we come back, a little bit behind schedule. We're going to get out to the Northeast, talk. Uh, I'm sorry. We're Yeah, no, we're going to go down into New York, actually, and we're going to talk to Stevens Women's Basketball. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoopsville after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation not merely to work towards a personal best in the classroom or in the sport we love, but rather an obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. For Special Olympics athletes, victory belongs not only to those who first cross the line, but to all those who compete and endure. 
They are challenged in ways we cannot imagine. They are survivors who test themselves harder and with greater joy than we will ever know. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn, as we all do, that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Sport ennobles us, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. Celebrate the soggy shoes and the slow starts. Celebrate the lessons learned along the way. These are the wins. Not the shiny, nail-biting kind. These are the last a lifetime kind. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of people talking about lots of different things, including uh, select, or, uh, hosting opportunities and missed opportunities and all the whatnot. I know I've gotten some questions on email regarding some of that, and I know I've gotten some questions on Twitter regarding a lot of that. Remember, the Division Three schedule... Uh, budget's only 3.18% of the entire operating budget of the NCAA, which means a little over $30 million this year in Division Three. 75% of that goes to the championships. We can't have it all. Plain and simple. There are 32 championships in Division Three, and they're getting about $25, $26 million. You just can only do so much. Um, nonetheless, we do what we can in Division Three, and if that means sacrificing the chance to host, it is what it is. I'll talk more about why I think Christopher Newport has a blessing in disguise ahead of it for the men's team. Uh, let's go back to the Hoopsville Hotline, though, because we're going to start talking or continue talking women's basketball. Another team who took advantage of being on the home floor was the Stevens Ducks. Now they got to go on the road to a, per, a pretty tough foe, but I have a feeling they're not worried about it. Joining us on the City of Salem's hotline is Stevens women's basketball coach, Megan Howie. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> by, by the way, I should have said in the introduction, she also sounds like about almost every coach I know today. Yep, yep. Barely have a voice here. But. Uh, Trevor Woodruff was the exception, and Jason Leon was the exception. But trust me, the other people I've been talking to, not much of a voice. Usually our conversations have been by text, but text would have been a little boring on this one, Coach. Um, <laughs> first and foremost, congratulations. 23-6 and six overall. You guys won the uh, Empire 8 um, regular season and, um, and conference tournament, despite the one lone loss to St. John Fisher there. And put you at 15 and one on the season to close it out. But you got big wins over two SUNY schools, SUNY Old Westbury on Friday, and then an emotional win over SUNY Geneseo on Saturday. So congratulations on making it to the second weekend. You, the team, and the school have got to be thrilled. Yes, we are. It was a really good overall weekend. Um, I thought our game on um, Saturday against Geneseo was just a really fun game to watch, to be a part of. It was just good basketball. Um, a few lead changes and uh, just overall a really good game to be a part of. So, um, being at home, how important was that for you guys? You know, our home record 
record is, is I think we only have one loss on our home court this year. Um, I felt like the energy, the excitement on campus, um, having our home crowd, being able to be a part of it and really, you know, functioning for us as a sixth man was really exciting. Um, it was just a really overall exciting experience for our girls. And, of course, being, being familiar with your home court, there's really nothing like it. So I thought it really played into an advantage for us. Um, when you when you looked at the fact that you got the hosting opportunity, and obviously you got the hosting opportunity, um, I'm trying. I, I want to make sure there wasn't. There was so much going on, Coach. That I, my brain has gone fry again. Yeah. Uh, you were hosting. Yeah, I mean, you had the flat out host in this situation. I, I was trying to make sure the, the one above. There were a couple above you, like Rowan, right above you, who had the hosting because Amherst couldn't. So you guys had earned the chance to host in this one. Um, what, what does that mean to you as a program, considering the season you had and, and the fact that, again, I just mentioned Rowan got the chance to host. They may have earned it themselves, but Amherst was the reason they couldn't host. What, what does it mean to, to the NCAA turns to you and says, you know what, you deserve to host this. Here are the teams that are coming here, and good luck. Yeah, I mean, I think for us it was extremely, you know, a special honor. Um, you know, we started the season off 0-2. We lost our first two games and really did some – self-reflecting and said, you know, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. Um, we tried to build a really powerful out-of-season schedule, out-of-conference schedule to put us in an opportunity to be able to um, have the strength of schedule necessary and also play good teams to kind of see where we're at. And um, I think it made us who we are. I think we've hit our stride at the end of the season playing probably our best basketball. So I think for us, seeing that as, a, as an opportunity to host and then be award, rewarded with that, it's just kind of icing on the cake for our girls who have really gelled at the right time. Uh, certainly playing very good basketball, as we said. 23-6 uh, and six on the season. You look at your schedule, Coach, and you guys started the season with two rough ones. Two conf- or NCAA tournament teams beat you, NYU and Lynchburg. Uh, NYU emphatically in the opening game of the season. Lynchburg then got you, and then you got a win over an NCAA tournament team in Guilford. That got you four in a row. Then Montclair State, an NCAA tournament team. You're going to sense a pattern here. Uh, beat you again in mid-December. And then Muhlenberg, an NCAA tournament team in mid-January, defeated you. And then St. John Fisher. Oh, an NCAA tournament team. Um, yeah. Beat you at the end of the season. That's, you know, obviously losses can be good and they can be bad. In your case, certainly good as to who you beat. But how were they helpful for you at this point in the season? lot of it was uh, a lot of it's mental a lot of it is we talk about taking you know one of the things we're preaching is taking the care of the ball in every possession and really making those possessions count and I think those early games or those games against teams of that caliber really really allow you to kind of analyze when you're playing those great defenses and having to respond to defense changes and, and whatnot is how good you can be if you really do that and I think playing a team like Montclair, you know, a team like Muhlenberg really put us in a position to continue to get better and realize we can do this. We can be a part of the big dance. We can, you know, make a run here and in the tournament. And I think it's given us the confidence to do that while also talking about making, you know, adjustments throughout the course of the game. It's also something we've talked to our girls about it. Being able to adjust in timeouts, being able to change what we're doing defensively and not feeling like, you know, we're doing that because we're failing, but rather we're doing that to add wrinkles throughout the course of the game. And I think that that's really become who we've, be- who we've become is really because of the schedule. And uh, it's been a great, great season. And it's had our, we've had our ups and our downs. And, you know, like I said, I feel like right now it's, it's, it's we're on the upswing and we've been that way for quite a few weeks now, which is really fun for our kids. So. 
Um, when you look at this past weekend, SUNY Old Westbury, the game seemed like it was in hand for you guys most of the way. Uh, and then the Geneseo game, I was watching online, that was an incredible back and forth. And Geneseo was up you know, a decent amount for a little while late in the game and, and midway through the game. I mean, both teams kind of traded the lead. You kind of had two different games there, um, especially the Geneseo one. What did you guys find in that that, that you were able to, to, to utilize to get past them? First, we kind of came out to a slow start. I think there is obviously just some jitters there. Um, and the one, one of our biggest game plans with them was being the attacker, being the aggressor, getting to the foul line, um, going hard to the rim. And that's really something, you know, if you look at our style of play, I wouldn't say we do overly well. I think it's something we're always trying to work on. But as a coaching staff, we really felt like that could be the difference because we were two similar teams, you know, in terms of our of our skill and how we where we got our points and whatnot. So, I think once the, you know once we're in the middle of the second quarter, we kind of looked around and said we've got to be tougher. We've got to dominate the boards. We've got to fight for the loose balls. We've got to go to the rim hard. So we tried to simplify things on offense to just kind of create those opportunities for our kids. And you know I think it had some had some effectiveness. And uh, second half and defensive adjustments. You know we had to close out better. They were taking us off the dribble, whether we were in our matchup or in our man. And you know just really working on our closeouts and. Uh, we did those little things. So, again, it came down a little wrinkles as well as, you know, kind of getting comfortable, more comfortable in the second half and then knocking down some big shots. I mean, Randa Ripken had a phenomenal second half. She played like a senior, not wanting her season to end and kind of really seeing the opportunity that lays ahead for us. Uh, we just became and did what we do, and that's what we talk a lot about is being the best version of us. You know, if we can uh, we can go through the ups and downs of the game but continue to support each other if somebody's not hitting and rebound. Um, I still think we're, you know, a pretty strong team in where we get points from, as well as how we defend. So it was a fun game, and uh, they had a great, you know, again, they had a lot to play for, and we knew that. So it was kind of a special, a special game here on our campus. So, um, how much, and uh, not to play it up too much, but how much was knowing the emotions and and the the roller coaster that Geneseo was going through and have been going through all season? Does that have an effect on you guys, especially in a game that is so tight? You know, Scott's a great coach, and I think everybody knew coming in, you know, the trials and tribulations they've gone through, including our kids. You know, I think my uh, very, I'd say, passionate kids and that they, you know, love the game and, and they're good people. I think that they knew everything surrounding the struggle that they had gone through. So I think it did have, it did play into effect throughout the weekend, just really rooting for them, wanting them to, to, to be successful, but also, you know, being able to compete on them on the court in the right way. And it, was, it ended up to be great. It was a great game, and I think – you know, I think that um, it did have its have its element, as it probably has for them all season with their opponent. So sure, um, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I wanted to mention about Dylan Krause. Um, of course, you didn't have her services for a while, uh, as she hit the she she was a true Division three student studying abroad for a bit there. Uh, where was she? India, I think it was. Yep, uh, she, did a, she did a medical journey in India. It's amazing. So, I mean, how do you how, how do you adjust to something like that when one of your top players? And honestly, honestly, any player for that matter, because it still affects practice, um, has to, you know does that kind of thing. Steps away from the game, goes and does something that she has to do for all kinds of good reasons, and then comes back. How's that adjustment for you? How's that adjustment for the team? Yeah, I mean, she she did it just her um, her thing was in the in the summer, so she went in July, so she wasn't missing uh, you know in season time. Right. But I'm sorry. Right. It was still yeah, but it was still you know. Our kids are amazing. Dylan's an amazing kid. They wear so many hats from, 
you know, the academic rigors that Stevens has to being raised, doing things like this. And I think it just attributes to the kind of kid that we have. Um, you know, everybody's excited for the season that Dill's had as well as just, you know, she's constantly on the boards and doing a lot of good stuff for us. So um, she's getting in foul trouble a little bit on, on Saturday, which I think was frustrating for her and always, you know, isn't great for us. But but she came back and had a great second half. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a testament to who she is as a person and the overall, you know, scholar athlete that we have on our team. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't say she left in January or something. She It's not like she missed a month of the season. I meant to say yeah. she was gone and obviously away from the game. She didn't practice, yeah. she didn't play. Coming back, yeah. picking up the ball, and getting right back into it with the team. Yeah. It's kind of where yeah. I was alluding to there. Uh, Amherst is ahead. Uh, obviously, uh, you will play them at their place, um, which is always a tough place. But as Tufts proved earlier, you can beat Amherst at their place this season. Um, I know it's early. You probably haven't even gotten the official video uh, yet, but I'm sure you've already looked into them. What What do you think you need to do to get past uh, the the purple team from Central Massachusetts? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's going to come down to defense, to how we defend them. Um, you know, contesting shots, making it a little bit difficult for them to get off the shots they want. I think one of the things about them is, is all the variety of threats that they do have. Um, but again, I think that's kind of, as I look at us, what I would say makes us a little bit difficult to defend as well. So I'm excited at looking at the matchup. I think it's going to come down to us taking care of the ball, being able to transition well, and uh, read boards and defense. And I think we'll be right in it if we can do those things and uh, spend the week preparing. So. Well, good luck. I certainly wish Thank the Ducks you. well against uh, Amherst. In the meantime, I wish your voice well and getting back to its normal self. <laughs> Um, it'll probably be gone by the end of Friday night, though, I have this feeling. Um, yeah. Win or lose. As always, though, not that you have much of a voice left, but as always, we give the the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? No, I just appreciate having us on. I think we've had a great year, and I appreciate the, uh, the call. So. Absolutely. Well, good luck. Uh, congratulations on the season so far, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing how the Ducks do on Friday. All right, thank you so much. Have a good night. You do the same. Megan All Howie right, joining bye. us on the uh, City of Salem's uh, hotline. Appreciate her taking the time to join us. Again, they're 23-6 overall. They'll take on Amherst at Amherst at LaFranc uh, Gymnasium coming up here on Friday evening. That game, uh, TBA on, on my information, it's probably the 7 o'clock game unless they decide to do a split session or something like that. Those are becoming more popular. We'll find out um, in the next day or two exactly the timing of it all. Uh, of course, City of Salem, the men's... Uh, the, Sponsor of the hotline, and of course the men's Division Three championship weekend host. Uh, looking forward to going down there with the city of Salem and ODAC coming up in a little over two weeks, uh, or a little over, uh, I should say, a little under two weeks. We will be there. Uh, join us if you're a fan of men's basketball. If not, certainly you can go to the, see the women take on uh, each other at Capitol. But in the meantime, city of Salem, join us in the Roanoke Valley for the men's championship weekend. We're gonna be, uh, when we come back, we'll switch gears, talk Tufts men's basketball. With our final guest. Of the evening, Bob Sheldon will talk about his team and the fact that they will be hosting at Cousins Gymnasium coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA NABC studios, more Hoopsville right after this. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. 
The college basketball experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a current Division Three student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. Hey, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. I know there are questions in the emails. Some of those questions I can tell you right now, uh, we will uh, have to get back to you or I'm going to have to email you or something because I'm not going to be able to answer some of these questions. Uh, but we will also answer them at the end of the end of the show. We'll get back to some of those later on. Uh, switching gears, just talk some women's basketball. Now. Let's switch and start talking some men's basketball, if you don't mind. Um, certainly uh, one of those teams that is going to get a chance to host will be uh, the Tufts men's basketball team, the Jumbos, who are 22-6 and six overall, 7-3 and three in the NESCAC is how they finished. Uh, defeated Southern Vermont and Skidmore this weekend. They will get the chance to host this weekend, thanks in part to the fact that the Amherst women are hosting and the Amherst men thus cannot host. And Tufts, sitting number two in the final regional rankings, will get a chance to have it come to Cousins Gymnasium. Now, this has happened on the women's side this late. It's uh, nice to see it happening on the men's side, if I do say so myself. And joining us on the City of Salem hotline is their head coach, Bob Sheldon. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you taking the time. First and foremost, congratulations on the season. The NESCAC in the last couple of years has certainly been far deeper than it has been in recent uh, memory. It hasn't been the Williams Amherst Middlebury show. It's been everybody's show. You guys took full advantage of that, and look where you are now. Yeah, it's uh, kind of it's kind of good to get that parity and get those two purple teams off the top. <laughs> yeah, I can I can sense that in a lot of schools. <laughs> When they talk about that, um, what's been the key so far this season? Obviously, took some losses in conference, but so did everybody. But but what's been the key to being so competitive and, and right in the thick of things this season? 
Um, we we played a lot of young guys last year and had some close games. And uh, you know, we try to schedule have a really good schedule. So we we played some tough games earlier. Um, and I think put together with those guys getting the experience from last year and then playing this year and getting a lot of time that we were, we were kind of ready. Um, we've had some real good leadership the last two years with our captains. And uh, I think things just worked out for us. You know, we got some early wins. Uh, we had a, a nice, uh, real good game that we played against Babs and that was a nice win. We went out and played Whitman in California and just, you know, having that level of competition and stuff kind of got us rolling a little bit. Now I was going to say, you have yeah. a lot of out-of-conference games that were uh, against NCAA tournament teams or near NCAA tournament teams. MIT was knocking on the door. Um, WPI, certainly. Babson, as you mentioned. Whitman, who got the big upset this past weekend over Whitworth to advance to the Sweet 16 themselves. Obviously, the conference is full of it. Uh, you know, you had four teams in them. Amherst, uh, Trinity, Tufts, and Middlebury representing, and so you obviously played all of them uh, along the way, plus into the end, into the NESCAC tournament. Of course, lost to, to Amherst, unfortunately, but what have you guys learned from the six losses that has helped you for the 22 wins? Um, we, we learned, I think the biggest thing we learned is that we can play with these guys. And we, you know, like, like you said, Amherst has been a perennial powerhouse, and we played with them, and we played with Whitman, and I think it just gave our guys some confidence. Um, one of the big things we have going this year, and I've been at Tusk for a long time, is that we have some great chemistry. Um, we have two senior captains and a junior captain, but our two senior captains have been just great leaders, and they, you know, they happen to be averaging double figures and a lot of rebounds for us. Um, they kind of go by the Splash Brothers is their nickname. <laughs> and they, uh, you know, and the, just the spirit that they've brought to the team this year and uh, in practice and in games and everything has just been crazy off the charts good. And, uh, you know, it's made it's been it's a fun year. So, you know, playing those other teams, having these guys as the leaders, having the chemistry has just it's been real positive for us. Uh, this is a, what is it? Fourth NCAA tournament, I believe, for you guys. Second Sweet Sixteen under your tenure there uh, at, t- at Tufts. What, what is this team? What, I guess what the the better question is: What's been the secret to this team this year to its success? Well, besides the coaching, Dave. Well, yeah, obviously, coach. I don't want to state the obvious. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have nothing to do with. It. I like to roll it out, and let them go. But uh, what we, I think, it's been the chemistry. Um, we we've, we've got some. Some really talented young young men on our team, but the chemistry's been there. We compete in practice. Uh, you know, we can we can play anybody. I think you know in practice. You know, like we play a blue team and the white team, and it's it's always a toss up. You don't know who's going to win, and and along with that, you know, the chemistry of the competition in practice, and I think who we play the competition there is just it just snowballed, and it and, you know it got us to the week uh, the weekend here against you know some tough competition we had. Glenn Robinson, who uh, you know has 912 wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I figured out I, if I were to coach 17 more years, which would be 45, I have to average 29.7 <laughs> wins to equal his record. So uh, you know he's here, and I think he invented part of basketball. And then <laughs> you know Southern Vermont just had a great year. You know, and they're yeah. very tough, and they came in with a chip on their shoulder because. You know, they don't get the respect that they should have gotten all year. And that was a great game. And Skidmore, you know, beat up and So it was it was just a great weekend. It was yeah, a great weekend. It certainly was a great weekend. Your team has five guys in double figures. You aren't afraid to go nine deep on the bench. You score 86 points a game. 
You also give up 77.5. This is a high-octane team. This is not common in the NESCAC. The NESCAC doesn't tend to have teams that put up this many points. Um, you're going up against a team in Johnson & Wales who loves to put up points. You know, going At one point this season, they were beating their opponents by 35 points a game and just scoring at will. I know it's early in the process here. But is this? Are you the type of team that can go toe for toe with Johnson and Wales, or do you need to force a different type of game plan? You know, uh, Dave, that's a, that's a real good question, and we're kind of asking ourselves that right now, as staff. <laughs> um, I think you know, at, at this part of the season, you got to do what you do. You know, you you are who you are, and you know, I think we're going to try and go toe to toe with them. We may put in a couple of wrinkles and actually play some defense once or twice, but we're going to. <laughs> You know, we're going to go. We're going to do what we do. We're going to run. I see this being a really high-scoring game. Um, like, like you said, they're averaging, I think, 89.9 and only giving up 64. So it's it's going to be – I think it's going to be a shootout. It, I think it'll be fun. Um, you get to host this thing at, uh, as one Twitter uh, person called it, the Shell Dome. Um, you, you know, know I'm, I'm – I'm kind of hoping that catches on, as a matter of fact. Oh, oh you want that? Okay, we'll work on that for you then. Hashtag okay, Shell. Thank you. Hashtag Shell Dome. Um, okay, beautiful. Uh, you know they re they re they reset Cousins Gymnasium a little bit to make the gym um, you know legal, um, and the women have certainly had success there. This is a chance for you guys to host a really big weekend. Yeah, we last weekend was big. Don't get me wrong. This is huge. <laughs> this is a chance yeah. to go to Salem, and because Amherst can't host, you get this opportunity. How big is this for your program? Oh, this is it's huge for our program. And I actually want to thank GP at Amherst. He's the women's coach for, for doing that to us. I mean, that, that was beautiful. But um, I, I think just for us, it's just a big step. Um, you know, they did switch the gym around, I think it was six years ago to make yeah. it. It was short. It was too short before. Uh, it wasn't like the baskets were not the right height or anything. No, it was like just 45 feet, short. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, roughly. <laughs> The press worked a lot better back then. I got to be honest with you, um, <laughs> but it's uh, you know it's, it's big for us. Like we told our kids, you know, we, every time we play now, we're making history in the gym because it, it was the first NCAA men's game there, and then you know we got the first win, and now we'll have the first Sweet 16 game in there. So it's it's kind of special, and, and they know it. And you know, I'm I couldn't be prouder of our guys, and uh, I couldn't be happier for the three seniors. So gone through some leaner times and have worked hard and stayed with the program and, you know, kind of grown up with us. And I, I think it's just going to be special. And, you know, our, our students will be there. They were there last weekend. It was, it was crazy. You know, they had some very good chance and they were, you know, it was, it was a great game. Coach, leaner times, the last two seasons you were 13 and 12. You don't go that far back to find you at 6 and 17. This is a huge jump forward for this program. And while you have seniors on it, it is still young. This seems like a program, and you've got talent in place that can be there for a little while for you guys. Well, I hope so. And uh, thanks for bringing that 6 and 17 up, uh, Dave. <laughs> well, you know, you brought up GP Gromacki, so. Oh, I just said leaner. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, but it's. Uh, yeah, I think we're on the right track. We're excited. Like I said, we have three seniors um, and two of them play. And the other one's a big part of practice. Actually, his name is Zach Clark Roswald. He's he's really a big part of our program. And those, like you said, those guys have been through linear times. And but when when that happens, and then you have people that that get it and understand what's going on, and then can leave a legacy, I think it just helps you. And you know, I've got two great assistants, um, Matt Malone and Derek Beatles, that 
are all over the place. I mean, they're young guys with no life, so they're out there recruiting, you know, all summer and, and doing a great job for us. So I think I think we're on the uptick, and I hope we can stay there for a while. I get the sense from our, our, our quick chat before we took the air and then from our conversation here that you certainly are a low-key guy. You love to have some fun. You, you're a jokester. Your roster cracks me up. Oh, you like that, huh? Yeah, yeah. If anyone has not seen the men's roster for Tufts, you should check it out because if you're not a, if you're a forward, you're not playing for this team because you're either a guard or a center. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, really. And and the G is so slight that it almost looks like everybody's a guard or everybody's a center. There's no F's in the position category. It's either G or C. Funny guy, coach. Thank you, Dave. That's uh, well, we. And we went through a, new, a kind of a system, like you said, we're not really a NESCAC type team. Um, we want to run, and we're four out and one in. And I, so I made all those forwards guards, and they love it because every kid wants to be a guard, don't they? You know, and so we told them, you're all guards now, we're going to run, and we have the three centers, and uh, we kind of have a team model. When we get a rebound, we out. We just we go. I feel bad for the guys who, who you labeled center and just said, hey, stand in the middle and, and don't do anything else. <laughs> Well, they get to play a lot in practice because there's only three of them, you know, so <laughs> it works well. Yeah, there's only uh, Tom, was it Pileshi? Uh, yeah. 6'8 out of Haverfield, Mass. Phillips Andover, I won't hold that against him. Uh, Drew Madsen uh, from San Diego, California. And uh, Zach Rosewald, as you mentioned, from uh, 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 Batavia, Batavia, yeah. Batavia, Illinois. Yeah. Zach skipped the CCIW and came to Tufts instead. Zach, you a good man. <laughs> Um, but I mean, pretty impressive coach. It's going to be fun. I know that you, we know the place will be, I assume spring break is back. We hope student students will be there for you. No, the students, we actually don't go on until the following weekend. We go on. Oh, great. The spring break starts the 18th. So yeah, it'll be back. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Yeah. So you'll have yeah, a, the, a busy place. Oh, uh, oh, has, yeah. and, cause Babson's, you know, 20 minutes away and, you know, Amherst is, yeah. is right there, and Johnson Wales will come up from Providence. So it's gonna, oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be crazy. It's an it's an old fashioned regional bracket in some cases, uh, in in the way it kind of fell into place. Has Hickson called to tell you that in reality he's hosting? It's just your gym. Uh, Dave has a lot of realities that other people don't have. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, he hasn't called yet. I said that knowing Dave will probably listen to this, and I will get it from I, him I at a later time. I said the same thing. I yeah. said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Coach, I really appreciate you coming on. Congratulations to the Jumbos. This is a, obviously a tremendous season, and uh, good luck to all the guards and the couple centers that you have. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. Looking forward to seeing what happens against Johnson and Wales, and should you win, you'll obviously take on Amherst or Babson in what I think is a wide-open pod. Uh, as always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? Uh, no, just like to echo what everybody said tonight. We, you know, thank you for the work you're doing at D3 Hopes, and uh, I know we're going to miss Pat. Um, and it's just it's something where Division Three can kind of get some recognition that you know Division One and Two kind of take from us. And it's it's just a great venue and a great site, and you guys do a great job. Well, thank you, Coach. And I'd like to tell all my players that are listening to get to the library, please. <laughs> wow, so that's all I got. Very nice, Coach. <laughs> Uh, okay. Thank you so much. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bob, Bob Sheldon joining us on the City of Salem Hotline. Of course, City of Salem host of the Division Three Men's Basketball Championship Weekend in a little under two weeks. Get your tickets today. Join us at the Roanoke Valley along with the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. Bob told me uh, pre-air as we were getting ready to do that segment uh, on the phone, he said all the rest of the interviews have been really serious. 
Hope you know I'm not planning to be. This is going to be fun. I love fun interviews. Perfect. I'm glad I left Bob for the end. Perfect ending interview for tonight. It has been a long weekend for everybody, including those at the D3Hoops.com website. Uh, here in the Hoopsville, and everybody here at the Hoopsville show, you know, all all of that one person. Um, and Bob certainly signed off the weekend perfectly for me. Um, I was going to take a break, but you know what? I'm just going to keep it going. There's no point in taking a break here. Let's keep talking. We want to wrap up the show. There are questions that you've sent me. I want to get some of those answered if you don't mind. Uh, there was one sent to me from Scott Denman. Scott, I'll tell you this much. Uh, I'll answer the first part. Well, I can, I'll answer a little bit of this, and then I'm going to have to get back to you on the email at the end instead. Uh, first off, he writes, the NCAC has two teams in the men's Sweet 16, Worcester and Ohio Wesleyan. Which other conferences still have two in the dance? Um, will this finally get the NCAC the respect it deserves? Let me back up to the respect it deserves part. Um, when did you think the NCAC wasn't getting any respect? Ohio Wesleyan is pretty highly ranked. Worcester is not having its atypical season, um, but the, the conference was getting plenty of respect. I don't know why anybody would think the NCAC wasn't getting any respect. I think it's impressive that those two teams are still in it, while the OAC, which arguably had a better top of the conference than the NCAC this season, the OAC left both its teams uh, at the door after the weekend. So, you know, hats off the NCAC, but I don't, I don't know where the lack of respect may be coming from, Scott. It gets plenty of respect. Uh, heck, on this show, we said the NCAC, MIAA, and OAC might have had the three most fascinating races when we were talking at the beginning of the season. Of the whole country, we thought those three were going to have the most fascinating races. Worcester has two freshmen, one sophomore, and junior starting. What do you think of their future? I think their future is obviously bright. Worcester's future is always bright. I think the weird thing for everybody is adjusting the fact that Worcester isn't its atypical older team with a lot of talent who tends to to play better during the season. Uh, I think Steve Moore, obviously, is a good coach. He's coached 1,001 games. They're on to another Sweet 16. Um, but at the same time, I think they're vulnerable because of that youth, and I'm I'm, I'm pretty impressed they're, they're through to this point. Um, but at the same time, I thought anybody who was going to win the bottom would probably come out of the you know, bottom of the Catholic pod would come out of this, so congratulations to them. The next part I'm going to get to, I, I'm biased, but I think the sectional should be at a neutral site. Uh, Scott, not even going to get into that on this show. I can tell you this part. Neutral sites will never happen. I'll also say this. By the way, he says, he goes on to say, Scott goes on to say, Oswego doesn't deserve the huge advantage, home court advantage, the D3 officials just gave them. Scott, you wouldn't be saying that if Worcester was in this situation. Plain and simple. You'd be thrilled that Worcester was getting the home court, and you wouldn't be arguing against it. So I, that one falls a little bit on deaf ears, in my opinion, because everyone certainly loves to have home court. And in Division Three, that's how it works. You're not going to get neutral site games on the second weekend in Division Three because what school is want to bid with no idea if their own school will even be in it? That's the first one. And what location is going to want to bid for, honestly, a very low-traveled event? It's not like everyone's going to come out of the woodworks to go to this thing. Neutral site games are not going to be are not going to happen. The other part about neutral site games is they tend to be more expensive than a hosting situation. Why? Four teams have to travel to that site if it's neutral. Four teams. Hosting it's three teams and a per diem. It's cheaper to go with this. It's not going to go to neutral. I'll get back to the rest of that uh, email that you sent me, Scott, um, uh, after the show. Uh, Emory Basketball, Zimmerman, 
Uh, continues to show off. He is one of the elite Division Three coaches. He has a strong background with Davidson and Evanson. We know that. He's done an amazing job building the program before emerging. Uh, now with several deep tournament runs in tow or in a row and with a turning roster, it's a matter of time until they pull off an upset or two and go to Salem. Uh, Preston or Peyton, I agree with you. However, they keep running into some big beasts, and I think Emory's playing a little bit above themselves right now. I know some people might quint cringe when they hear that, but I think they're a little bit above themselves uh, just in the way everything's working out, but congratulations to them. Uh, Sean Cavanaugh, who likes the Hoopsville sign. Sean, I thank you for watching. Sean's the reason we have that nice Hoopsville sign. Do you think Augustana can defeat St. Thomas uh, this go-around if they meet? Also, who are your overall favorites? Uh, I will probably change these by the time we get to Thursday when I will actually give you my uh, Augustana's got to get past Emory first, and St. Thomas has to get past Whitman first. If that were to happen, he's referring to 2011 when St. Thomas beat Augustana to go on to the Final Four, and and thus my comment about Augustana struggling to get out of Rock Island, which I made last year, is based on that. Um, I think Augustana has the better chance of getting past St. Thomas. I know John Towery's probably listening to the show now. Uh, hi, Coach. Um but I do. I think August. I mean, Augustana was my pick from the end of last season all the way now to get back to Salem. Uh, I know it's a tough pod, but I. It, why would I leave that pick at this point? I, I'm still going to ride that pick. I uh, was wondering if you have any insight on how Eastern Connecticut received a draw against Amherst. They did. This is not the sour grapes question. Uh, quite simple. Eastern Connecticut had a 22 and six record. Uh, they were not that highly regionally ranked. Uh, their SOS wasn't that strong. Um, well, they say strength is scheduled 18th nationally. Hold on. Uh, I can't go to the current SOS because the current SOS, and if you're looking at the current SOS, it's going to be flawed because it's going to take into account um, the games that have played. The math just continually does it. Eastern Connecticut's SOS with a 5 e 6 That actually is pretty good, 19-6 and 4-3. and three. I'm not sure why they drew Amherst. Uh, you could ask that a lot of questions. I know regionally ranking-wise uh, they weren't that high. Um, I think the fact that they were, um, let's see here, Eastern Connecticut ended up one, two, three, four, five, sixth or seventh, I want to say, uh, sixth. They ended up sixth in the region, uh, four and three versus uh, uh, in region, uh, results versus regionally ranked opponents. They were four and three. Um, they had a pretty good SOS. Uh, I guess it's just the fact that they were 19 and six, and Amherst is 24 and one. It's a good question. I don't know. There's lots of re a lot of these things also come down to geography and other stuff like that. It makes it very challenging uh, in the division. Uh, just found the. Uh... <laughs> Justin Sweeney listening back to the Bob Sheldon interview says just found the compromise we can reach with same color. Um, uh, same uniforms. That's a joke. Coaches instead can list their players all as guards. Yeah, but I still can't see the numbers, Justin, so I still don't know who I'm looking at. Um, got questions? Send us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, look forward to wearing my new Hoopsville shirt with pride because of the interviews. Good fun uh, interviews keep them, keep me supporting. And this is from our good friend Jim. Do you know that Benedictine and Augustana scrimmaged this year? I did not know that they scrimmaged this year, Jim. I barely pay attention to scrimmages, to be completely honest, because in my mind, they absolutely, not only do they mean nothing, I think they are nothing. 
Too many coaches are trying to do other things in those, and I don't take them for granted. But Augustana Benedictine scrimmaging, thank you for that information. So if they both get to the championship game, we'll have a rematch of a game that took place well before the season even started. Not that it was a game. Uh, Jim, uh, thank you for the for the donations. Lots of people for the donations. Uh, we haven't quite decided if it's a shirt as a gift from the Indigo fund, Indiegogo fundraiser. That fundraiser is over. However, if you still want to donate, you can. It is open and open in the sense that uh, we can take donations um, through the uh, end of the tournament. Um, it's not part of the drive anymore. We've reached our goal. Found out a little bit off the, after the fact that it turns out more fees were taken from the than the uh, from the uh, Fundraiser then originally planned and originally stated, or not stated, but read. I, I misread everything. So I think this will be the last year we do the fundraiser through this website. Um, it, and we may change the fundraiser or not do one in the future. I'm not sure, but we'll see. Uh, but we did say a Hoopsville gift, which might be a T-shirt, might be something else. We're working on that, trying to figure out our financials to figure out the best idea. Uh, but you will get a gift, Jim, for your donation. So thank you very much. And thank you, everybody, who have donated and put us over the cause. Our goal was 7500 I think we raised close to 7800 And if you still want to donate, go ahead. It's on our pages. You can find it very easily. Just click on the link. Even though it says it's complete, you can still donate to the cause. Um, there's just a little bit of delay on when we get the money, but that's no big deal. We'll keep it up and running. Through the end of March is what we'll do. Um, again, terrific tournament. Um, the, the exactly what we what we thought. I had a long conversation with Brian Van Haften on my drive home today. He's certainly thrilled with what's going on. Uh, we do have uh, sites that we know of. Obviously, St. Thomas, Amherst, uh, Scranton, and Thomas More are hosting on the women's side. No real surprises. No surprises there, to be completely honest. At one point, I thought Tufts would 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 host over uh, Scranton because I thought Tufts' criteria was better than Scranton, despite the fact that Scranton was undefeated. Um, however, I then remembered Christopher Newport could not get to Tufts without a flight, and that automatically made it go to Scranton. Pretty slam dunk. Women having priority made the men's a little bit easier, though it certainly left it up in the air. Again, the men hosts uh, are Augustana, Benedictine. We kind of saw those coming. St. Thomas, no surprise there. Uh, not St. Thomas, I apologize. I meant to say, um, let's see, Benedictine, Augustana, uh, Oswego, and Tufts. I apologize. St. Thomas is traveling to Augustana is what I was trying to get at. Oswego was the curveball uh, only because uh, nobody could get to Christopher Newport with a flight, without a flight. Um, furthermore, uh, the only one that would, honestly, it all came down to upsets. Worcester's not in the mix because the committee thought somebody closer, like Catholic, would have come out of there. So Worcester being a flight is a little bit of a surprise. I'm not saying unexpected because they all they look at all the possibilities, but Worcester was a surprise. Uh, Keene State. Obviously a surprise, not only beating Stockton, but then beating Middlebury. Middlebury was a surprise. The committee, I think, really felt Stockton and Salisbury were going to, one of those two was going to come out of that. Again, keeps the tournament at Christopher Newport. And then your third one is Oswego. That was at Marietta. Um, I think the committee certainly, I think everybody thought Marietta was coming out of that. No surprise there. Um, Marietta and Christopher Newport are within 500 miles. All conceivably, that would mean Christopher Newport would have hosted. They're the number one in the region. Uh, Marietta slipped the number two. And you cannot get some teams, I don't think, to Marietta. Um, I'd have to look at Salisbury to Marietta to see if that was in the mix. But it would have made it an interesting conversation, Marietta or Christopher Newport. But I th I'm pretty sure if Worcester can't get to Christopher, well, I thought Marietta could, believe it or not. And now that I'm talking, we're just going to look it up because it's a lot easier that way. Um, nonetheless, it looked like Christopher Newport would host. But then you literally had three upsets. 
Marietta went down, Chris Catholic went down, and Salisbury slash Stockton went down. Three upsets in the pod, folks. That is why Christopher Newport's not hosting. But here's why I think that's going to be an advantage. In Division Three men's basketball, it's about, I think if I remember from our tabulations in years past, it's about 50% that the sectional hosts, the regional hosts, will go on to the Final Four in Salem. There's no guarantees um, that because you want, you, you're hosting, uh, that you're going to go on. It's a 50-50 shot. Because we have these geographics, a lot of times we'll sway that. Um, by the way, Marietta to Christopher Newport, 427 miles. So the Marietta Catholic or Christopher Newport conversation would certainly have been in place. I think Christopher Newport would have still hosted. But back to it. So you get about a 50-50 chance. Let's just call it a 50-50 chance that you host this coming weekend and get to Salem. Christopher Newport would have had everybody coming to them, a lot of expectations to move on to, to, to Salem, and probably a disappointment if they don't. Now they have an artificially inflated, artificially inflated chip on their shoulder. Uh, they have no distractions. This is just a work weekend. They're heading off to do some work at Oswego. They've gotten the expect half the expectations are gone. If anything, this might benefit Christopher Newport to get them to Salem. Think about that for a second. Not hosting might help Christopher Newport get to Salem. There's no guarantees that them hosting would have allowed them to get on to Salem. Them not hosting, I think, gives them a better chance. They will take on. Um, Keene State in the first game, and Keene State, who we may have on the show Thursday, it's one of my ideas for a guest, certainly playing well above expectations, very well, playing very well too, don't get me wrong. But, can you know, this is, kind of reminds me of Northwestern last year, got to the Sweet 16 game and just couldn't keep up the pace. Can Keene State do that against Christopher Newport? I don't know. And then on the other side, it's Oswego versus, versus Worcester, Christopher Newport's just going to be, if they win, it's just going to be lying in wait. I think this is a great opportunity for Christopher Newport. Don't look at it so much as a snub, because in Division Three, it's not a snub. A snub would be if, if everything allowed you to host and somebody else got it and the criteria doesn't say it should have happened. That's a snub. This is not a snub. Three flights to Christopher Newport or one flight to Oswego. If you are crunching numbers and trying to save as much money as you possibly can, which would you go for? Three flights to Christopher Newport, one flight to Rochester, because they'll then bust us, we go. Christopher Newport didn't get snubbed here, folks. Other teams lost, which cost Christopher Newport this chance. The NCAA didn't do anything against them. Christopher Newport didn't hurt themselves. Other teams hurt Christopher Newport. Christopher Newport can use this to get to Salem simply because they're not going to be distracted. It's a great opportunity for Christopher Newport. I'm looking forward to seeing it and seeing how it all plays out. Last call for questions at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville on your email or on your Twitters. Your email address is Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. That's how you can get uh, to us. Um We do have a, a YouTube page, but apparently people don't uh, 
Ask us questions there. So we just bl- ban people, it turns out. Um, again, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, any Baltimore... Uh, da, da, da. Do, do, do. <laughs> That's an interesting question. I'll have to get back to that individual. Um, don't see any other questions. So we're going to wrap things up. Reminder, Thursday we'll be back on the air 7 o'clock Eastern time. And then next Sunday we'll be on the air 7 o'clock Eastern time. Don't know where I'm headed. My choices are down to, on the men's side, making the haul out to Augustana. I believe Gordon will be heading to Benedictine. Uh, the other choices are to head up to Oswego or to head to Tufts. Uh, they all have their pros and they all have their cons. Um, on the women's side, I believe Pat is heading to St. Thomas. We may send somebody to the other ones. But being that the women spread it out a little bit more, it'll be a little bit different this year. Of course, everybody's going to Capitol on the women's side you know, a week from yesterday or two weeks from yesterday. Uh, and we still don't crown a women's champion until early April. Remember that, folks. As far as um, uh, the men, uh, obviously we're all marching to Salem. That is coming up in under two weeks' time. By the way, Justin's award uh, winners, I wanted to mention them, and I totally forgot to, and I apologize. Um, let me let me call that. Well, oh, I'm not going to make a big deal. Uh, voting is is being done. Uh, I'm on that. I'm honored to be on that panel for the Men's and Women's Jostens Award. Looking forward to getting that voting done. Jostens Award winner will be honored in Salem as well. Uh, also on top of that, don't forget the NABC All-Star Game. They are working on that. They announced the team um, a week from tomorrow, I believe, or a week from today, one of the two. And we'll also have that final vote for a player to, to or two players to make the team as well at d3hoops.com. Uh, I uh, wanted to mention, so next thir- so Thursday we'll be on the air at 7. The following Sunday we'll be on at 7. The Thursday before the Final Four, uh, we will not have a show. That is a change. We always have had shows in the past. Um, we do a um, gathering with the coaches on Thursday. I am also very busy that Thursday. Also host uh, or um, guest. Um, I'm not emceeing the event, but I'm, I'm, I'm part. I take a, a, a part in the championship dinner featuring the four men's basketball teams in Salem at the Civic Center. Kerry Harvey Cutter, uh, once again, has, re- has has asked me, and I'm honored to join. So I will be busy with that, plus the Coaches Shore. We've done a show those Thursdays with the coaches. It's live from an establishment in Roanoke, to be completely honest with you. It's, it's a lot of work, um, and the show doesn't get a lot of views. And I think we kind of use up a lot of the material we could use the next two days when doing the the pregame shows for the semifinals and championships. So this year, doing something different. I thought about pre-taping a show, but to be honest with you, I have a lot of work to do that day, that week. So we will not have a show on Thursday, St. Patrick's Day the 17th. Being that I'm also in McHugh, there's another good reason we're not doing a show on the 17th. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking my national holiday. I just kid. Um... However, we will be on the air leading up to the games on Friday and Saturday. That's where you can get a lot of the recap. Of course, the women only having the semifinals plays a role here in that too. So that Sunday prior to the Final Fours, we will do a lot more of a preview than we normally would. So those are some of your updates. And don't forget, our our pseudo-final show will take place um, on the, what is that, the 20th? The day after the men's championship on the 20th, we'll be on the air Sunday. More of a pre-taped show from Salem that we kind of put together. Uh, but we're still going towards the women's championship, so we'll still do uh, some more coverages leading up to that point. That won't technically be 
our final show. Gordon and I at least will put, put one more show together, wrapping up the women's championship uh, as well. So there you go. That's our business. And basically I did that to make sure that people could uh, get the chance to send any last second questions to us. Uh, and I don't see any, so we'll move on. I want to thank all of our guests for appearing. I want to thank uh, Brian Sortino and Jason uh, Leon from uh, Oswego, who uh, interviewed with me um, last night at Marietta. I want to thank John Tower, who joined Pat Coleman to be on the show. also want to thank uh, Scranton women's basketball coach Trevor Woodruff, um, Megan Howie from um, Stevens, and, of course, from Tufts. Bob Sheldon, I want to thank all of their sports information directors for their assistance as well, especially the understanding that I'll be traveling. I'm going to need that understanding next Sunday as well before we do our hoops fill. Uh, we're going to take a break when we get back. Or no, we'll take a break until Thursday. When we get back, we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time with more of the, more of the teams playing in the upcount, upcoming round of 16. Don't forget, you can interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com and join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Thanks to the City of Salem as well for joining us uh, on the program and sponsoring our hotline. We appreciate their support immensely. It's going to do it for us. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying this NCAA tournament because it is it is an spectacular one this year. This is the most exciting tournament in the sense of close games, overtime games, upsets, uh, buzzer beater attempts, whether made or missed, that we have had in a number of years, at least if not in recent memory. I mean, there, you could certainly debate a lot of good weeks, uh, but this opening weekend, men and women combined, has been it, it is fun to watch, and uh, I hope uh, hope you all are enjoying it as well. It, it it's bound to lead to incredible weekend coming up, and Thursday we will talk about it. And I'll give you my final picks for who I think get on to Capital and Salem as a result. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate your patronage as well. You've been listening to Hoops Hill, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks to our partners also at the City of Salem. Good night. We'll see you back here on Thursday.